Hello, dear listeners. This is your Dwarven host, Gerald, once again, coming in with a quick addendum. Since the time of recording, we have included two new Patreon supporters that we want to go ahead and give a shout out for, and they are the Trickster Knight of Zeech Warper and the Powerlifter Knight of Nurgle, Big Joe G. Thank you very much, both of you, for your patronage, and we hope you enjoy your time in this community. And now we will get back to our regularly scheduled event. Enjoy. spaceship now and where Jill, why are you Ooh. tiny and blue what is it with the, with the holy crap i'm digital well shit and naked awesome ah where are my pants <laughs> uh hello everyone and welcome to grimlore your place for all your grim dark fantasy and science fiction settings and today if you couldn't guess or read the title Gerald will be leading this episode to share his love of his own grimdark settings. So, uh, my Hold on here, naked blue ghost. Put, put some pants on and. Mm, ah, okay. I got some shorts on. Hello. Those came out of nowhere. I'm not going to ask anything. My, how the turntables. <laughs> so, <sighs> judging by the looks of the ship, we are. I actually recognize this place. If you look out to the viewport on your left, you will see a giant metal ring in space. Does um, everybody see it? Ooh, ah. it's, it's 40 kilometers long, so. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I tonight. I, I didn't see this. As, yes, tonight, as this is coincide, going to coincide with our seventh episode, we are going to be covering a Bungie topic because Bungie loves the number seven. But instead of number. our indeed, indeed. But instead of our previous episode, we're going to be covering one that's very near and dear to my heart. That's probably been in my life for about the past 20, 22 years. Shut up with the old jokes, Ray. <laughs> I can know you're thinking them. We're going to be talking about Halo. Yay. Yay. So before we actually get started into our topic, let me ask how. Oh, sorry. Getting ahead of myself. I'm so, I'm a little hyped for this episode. We have a couple of guests with us on tonight. Let's introduce Shark. Hello. And Brody. Hello. How are y'all doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm excited. Great. I'm excited that both of them are clothed. I'm hyped. That's what you think. <laughs> oh my god. He's taking his pants off. He's taking his no. pants off. Oh, this is a pants optional event. Okay. I'm so glad this is my debut into podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. I'll be famous in 10 years. Yes. Yes, yes. (laughs) And then all Uh, the clips come out, and then I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good God. This was his debut. 
and it's good as goodbye. <laughs> all right. So I do have a question for all of you. And mm-hmm. what is your what is your experience with the glory that is Halo? We'll start with our guests. What about you, Shark? Uh, I have played Halo basically since I think CE came out. And I was reading, not reading the book, like I read a lot of the early books, but stopped reading after a while because I realized I'm dyslexic and can't read. (laughs) But I followed the lore pretty closely as my brother was into it and he would just summarize the books mostly for me. And then YouTube became a thing so you could watch everything. Absolutely. (laughs) Anything. Anything. What about you, Brody? Well, I'm I'm very low not in the occasional TikTok video or edit of Master Chief. Um, I know that the Spartans are pretty kick-ass. I know that there's a couple different generations, I think, almost like Space Marine foundings, and just little rudimentary detail that space. There's a lot of planets going on. <laughs> and like right. the flood are, flood are like Tyranids, right? That That's about all I know. <laughs> not, not a wrong comparison. Not a wrong comparison. All right, Rayway, what about you? What is your experience with Halo. Well, okay, today I had a traumatic event where I had a bad memory, but the first time I played Halo. <laughs> oh, no, jokes. Brave jokes. Railway. <laughs> so, my first experience with Halo was when I was seven and I went to the uh, town where those places are called non arcade, but it's like a place where like kids go and there's like games and bullshit. A hobby it's store like... or a game hobby store? I don't know. Kind of, but like, there's not, it's not. They don't sell anything. It's more just like a meeting place that, like, the like inside of a town for like kids just go. I can't remember what it's called, but regardless, I went there when I was like seven, and my friend Rory was there, and he was like fourteen, fifteen at the time. I don't know why he was friends with me. I think because his parents made him my friend. But either way, <laughs> we're playing first Halo game, and I can like distinctly remember the memory of both of us kind of getting our being Spartans. And I know where the ship's being attacked, and both of us are riding down the corridor, and I'm ahead of my friend Rory. And all I remember hearing is him just screaming at me inside this, like, little room. Both of us sitting on the couch. I'm fucking seven, he's 15, just yelling, Sprint! Sprint! Get to that door and save the sergeant! Like, yelling his fucking lungs off at me. Again, I'm seven, I get to the door, I don't make it in time, the sergeant dies. And then his body, like, just ragdolls across the floor. And I'm just all like, what the hell? And I look at him. And his response is, how could you let him die? He died because of you. He's <laughs> <laughs> yelling at me, I'm fucking seven. And then I just put the controller down and left. <laughs> I'm imagining like a broken seven-year-old with like a thousand-yard stare. Just like... <laughs> Damn. You poor, traumatized little child. <laughs> well, hopefully tonight's episode will... Warm you up to Halo a little bit more because we are going to be talking about a wonderful faction called the Covenant. And not just the Covenant, if you will direct yourselves to the group chat, because I will be posting a shit ton of pictures tonight. Let's see. (laughs) Legally distinct. (laughs) We are talking about the cream of the crop, the Covenant. We are talking about the best, the brightest, the motherfucking elites. Ooh. Swart, wart. So, Ray, you know how I give you a lot of shit for simping for elves? Yeah. Well, now's your chance to do this to me, because I fucking love the elites. Ooh, yeah, yeah. One of these guys' names is Arbiter, right? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. 
feel like so, that's not his name. I don't think some. I don't think a, a, a woman was just like, "Yes, this is my child." Arbiter. <laughs> Arbiter. I gave him a title as a as a name. My baby, Arbiter. He, he's his name, Ambassador. <laughs> cool this senator. Guy, no, I would. Name, I actually know I would name things when I was six. I legit know a guy his, who is whose name is Senator. I I kid you not. So you it can what? happen. I mean, when I and was he's little, just some I farmer. tried to name my sister Optimus Prime. So, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna so. lie, that was one of the names I, I offered for my kid. <laughs> Thank you. Honey, I think it's we cool. Name Optimus. No. Who who would bully Optimus Prime in school is what I'm saying. <laughs> I know because he'll just commit war crimes. <laughs> Oh man, oh. Daddy! Why is my sister's name Rose? Because roses are your mom's favorite thing. Okay, thank you, Daddy. You're welcome, Gotham. <laughs> Batman, <For> Gotham. <laughs> all right, and to get you all pumped for talking about the elites, I have right. an interactive quote for y'all. If you oh. direct yourselves back to the group chat, I have a. a oh, this script. is not a quote I was thinking. Oh no, no, no. Okay, let me know when y'all have opened up your script. Oh, yeah. I do indeed see it. Okay. So the highlighted parts of what y'all say. And this quote is by one elite named Ertas Vadumi. We'll get to him in just a little bit. All right. When we joined the covenant, we took an oath. According to our station. our station. All without exception. Without exception. (laughs) (laughs) On the blood of our fathers, on the blood of our sons, we swore to uphold the covenant. Even to our dying breath. Even to our dying breath. Those who would break this oath are heretics. Were they neither pity nor mercy? Even now they use our Lord's creations to broadcast their lies. We shall grind them, shall into, grind dust. them into dust. And continue our march to glorious salvation. Three <laughs> ships, staggered line, shipmaster. They outnumber us three to one. Oh! Then it is an even fight. All oh. cruisers, fire at will, burn their mongrel hides. Um, Mr. Elite, sir, I have a question. Yes. Why are you British? (laughs) When did the Brits come out here and colonize y'all? Like, (laughs) what's something they take? And how can you help? Oh wait, they took the they took the the halos, right? Sir, I notice a plot hole in our script. It's just bothering me. (laughs) The British not only did not only did they invade. They also culturally appropriated. No! Oh, here's the funny no. thing. The, co- the, we covenant over a, the covenant did so much cultural appropriation. Uh. No, okay, the last quote I the last quote I know, and it goes so fucking hard. I know. It's it's like anytime I see that scene, my dick is hard, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to ride into this battle with this boy. It's, it's like oh every time God, I hear that. Wait. I just realized where that quote comes from. It's a it's a Marine quote. Like a commander said something like we're surrounded and it's like, oh, poor bastards, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, but this one's Same way cooler. though. Uh, oh, yeah. No, they, they, they made it cooler. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's just like, stop. I can only get so hard. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Aren't, aren't Bruce part of the covenant? Yes, they are. Ooh, okay. War? So. To give this the proper context, let's actually talk about what is an elite first, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of it. So let me get another picture here. All right. This is a render of an elite close up and just some anybody tell me what you see. 
Let's see here. For our dear listeners here. <laughs> it looks okay. So Damn. I'm, I'm not an alien biologist, but this looks kind of like a, a much more chill version of the Xenomarsh. Okay, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, or I guess I guess the what's called the Xeno Predator, whatever the hybrid is called. But it looks. Oh yeah. I can tell you one thing. That's hot. <laughs> it looks it's like, hot. It, it looks like a really good ad against like drinking while you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> or a pro monster energy drink. That's that's what it looks like to me. Like, don't drink while you're pregnant. Then bam. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it feels like to chew five gum shit <laughs> no that fucking that fucking we're surrounded three to one is what it feels like to chew five gum beware secondhand smoke you know it's just boom <laughs> now let me tell you something can... kids <laughs> don't smoke what's that guy from South Park mm, Ed it, oh. I, I, it looks like an octopus had <laughs> sex with a lizard, and then that creation had sex with a human. <laughs> I love how all of these are such different descriptions, and then the listeners are probably just like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" They look blue. And we're gonna get so many angry commenters. <laughs> <laughs> I know so, what I said. Whoever, so whoever made the uh, comparison to the Predalien Predator Alien hybrid you were hit it dead on the mark that was one of the original inspirations for the very famous split lip look that they got going on here it's definitely and that yep and that is actually one of the derogatory names that humans in game call the elites is either squid face split lip split jaw so on and so forth and but now i actually have a concept art that was that they were originally going to look before they decided on the predator this is from the original uh, Halo 1 game. Okay, I was wrong. This is even sexier. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> Bang it. <laughs> Hang on. He brings up an important question. Who's the dick? It's Good covered question. by the it's covered by that little plate in the middle. <laughs> oh, my poor sweet summer child. <laughs> Roll 34, my friends. Roll 34. <laughs> Question. I stare in amazement. Do they have cloaca instead of genitalia? So that is that the means. that is the, actually the funny thing. What is an elite? And this is from the Halopedia article. So they are a saurian species, so reptilian, anywhere from seven to eight and a half feet tall, with purple blood because their heart they have two hearts that filter uh, cobalt instead of iron like we do, and their most famous feature are the four mandibles around their mouth, which gives them the, you know, the split face or split lip name. And apparently there was a note there that says they actually do lay eggs. So they have a cloaca. Oh, make of that what you will. I mean, they definitely look reptilian. They have that predator jaw. I think they have what four fingers or is that? Yes, they have four fingered hands. So it's like a two, basically like two index fingers and two and two opposable thumbs. And they have their the weird bend at the knee. I can't remember the species from um, Narnia, the guy that meets her at the closet. What what do you call those again? Goat people? Later? Yeah, the goat people. Yeah, the the dude with the twisted leg. And then it has like a very interesting, almost dinosaur-like hoof claw thing going on for its feet for a genuine description. 
yeah so that is kind of the interesting thing i've i found like the very the first two halo games given like the limitation of the engine it looks like they have hoofs and i think one of the uh descriptions was like they had a hoof but Mm -hmm. then come to 2010 or so uh 2010 or so when bungie releases halo reach the elites are the elites look like they have feet and like just two giant toes but then that gets reworked whenever they uh remake uh Halo and Halo 2 in the anniversary editions of Master Chief Collection, now they look like they have toes again. So it's just kind of like, well, do they have hoofs or do they have toes? Does it really matter? I think I like if they have hooves. I don't know if that's just because of how like it's different. <laughs> so there's a there's actually a chapter in Halo 2 without spoiling too much, you were fighting brutes. And the chapter is literally called Your Ass, My Size 24 Hoof. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> So <laughs> kind of cool. I like that they reference that they have fucking hooves in that book. Reverse knee joint or something like that. That I think that's what uh, Brody was talking about earlier because they it was yeah. mentioned in one of the I think it was Contact Harvest where uh, a Covenant ship owned by the Brutes deliberately installed ladders just to fuck with the elites because they can't <laughs> climb a ladder with reverse hinge <laughs> I, knee joints. I totally forgot that was a thing. I remember yep. that piece of lore too. Yeah. God, imagine just being like one of these guys. I was just trying to get from point A to point B, and you're just like, damn it! Like, God, no! God damn it, Johnny the Brute! They've employed <laughs> ladders instead of stairs. This is discrimination. I, re- <laughs> I requested an elevator. I have a complaint. This is the, this is the worst kind of discrimination. The kind against me. I mean, what would you call uh, it? Human resources? Species resources? Someone get SR in here. It's a grunt. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Okay, so the elites come from a Basically, in 4DK terms, what you would consider a death world called Sanghelios, which is which is how they get their actual name called the Sanghelios. Mm. Let's see here. Let me find a picture. Peter is not one to agree with me for some stupid reason. <laughs> All right. Gives you a kind of a rough idea of what Sanghelios looks like. Very rocky, very... Uh, just a harsh world in general. Um, it has its, you know, it has its jungles. It has very rough oceans. You know, just a very harsh environment for a species to live on. And here's another picture. This picture actually looks quite nice. Yes, yes. So. Yes, yes. And hmm, yes, yes. Indubitably. But uh, it's slightly larger than Earth. It has a much stronger gravity. Which is why the elites have a, just a very, as you can tell from the picture, like just a very strong, muscular build to them. And, uh, you know, atmosphere in general, it's like yellow, red, maybe a little bit of blue, just all, all around different from, just a little bit different from what you would see here on Earth. But yeah. to put this in 40K terms that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware, it's like, it's very similar to a death world. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Interesting. Yes, yes. So... The actual name of the elites, as I said before, is called Sangheili, and that is, you know, where they get the name Sanghelios from, and then their actual language is called Sangheili. Wow. Let's see here. I had a link to a audio clip of an elite speaking this. Ah, there it is. This is 12 years old. Oh yeah, this is from this is this came out when uh, Halo Re- Reach was released. Hmm. Does everyone got a good read of kind of how how their language is spoken? 
It sounds exactly like something I would have heard at Star Wars. <laughs> yep. I swear I've heard that in the cantina. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the funny thing is the in Halo 1, the original Halo 1, they they're supposed to strictly speak saying Haley. They do not speak English at all. It's supposed to, you know, create that except for the grunts, of course. It's supposed to create that, you know, terrifying alien appearance. So of course, one of the most famous and memed lines is uh wart, wart, wart. I've never heard. <laughs> Apparently it's saying Healy for go, go, go. Ward, ward, ward. Yes. Interesting. So this is like you're playing you're playing the game, you're running down a hallway, all of a sudden an elite pops out and he just goes, ward, ward, ward. Ward, ward, ward. <laughs> Truly a beautiful language. And yes, I, I I respect them on such a an astronomical scale. <laughs> I understand why you gave them a British accent now. Oh, oh it's, yeah. It's even well, yes, even that they, the, they sound the exact same. <laughs> It's indecipherable. That's, that's racist, Ray. <laughs> what? It's not racist. Oh, it's true. <laughs> I deny these allegations. Don't ask Shark, but he'll tell you they look like him, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're going off the rails. Oh. We've lost the voice. Oh, man. Uh, love getting derailed. Anyways. <laughs> now, the reason behind the uh, fam- very famous Wart, Wart, Wart line is uh, there is a sergeant in the game, and one of his lines is always, come on, get Marines, let's go, go, go. So what the programmers did was take that go, go, go line, take it down an octave, and then reverse it, and that's how you get Wart, Wart, Wart. Uh, so while I was listening to it, I was going to say this first, but it really sounded like just, like you said, turn down the decibels and then reverse the English speech. That's what the, the audio sounded like to me. Is that all mm-hmm. saying Healy lines in the game? Um, or is it safe to assume that's a majority of them? Uh, yeah, it's well, I, I don't know about the other spoken lines. That's just the, the very famous one for Wart, Wart, Wart. Um, I see. It's other garbled nonsense, essentially. Right. Um, I'll have to find a uh, I'll find another clip oh, for in sure. just a little bit. But yeah, so uh, Halo one, they speak saying Haley. Uh, to give them that terrifying alien appearance. and But Halo 2 and Halo 3, they actually speak English. And there's hmm. two given, and there's two, two different reasons for it. Uh, reason number one in universe is uh, humans have a better translator system, so they actually know what the elites are saying. <laughs> Thank God. But then the actual reason is uh, in Halo 2, you get to play as an elite. So they figured, ah. you know... We could go the route of having them speak and saying Haley, but it'd be better and more understandable if they just spoke plain English. We'll see move. Make more saying Haley. <laughs> immersion, people. It's all about immersion. It's all right, about there. immersion. Uh-huh. All about the immersion, baby. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Ah. So hang on. Okay. But hang on. In the clip you yeah. sent, it said speaking covenant language. Is it, oh, wait, so it's oh, a wait. good... Are saying Haley and covenant different? Okay, so it's actually a good thing you bring that up, Ray, because... The Covenant, as most of us know, is a is a mishmash of different alien species together in the sole purpose of fighting off humanity. Oh, we'll oh. you know keep it simple because the because the elites are one of the first founding members of the Covenant. We'll get to that just a little bit later, and they're one of the most yeah. powerful powerful and basically they make up the entire military leadership. Sangheili becomes the main language of the Covenant. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yes, but before we get to the Covenant and its history, let's talk more about what what else an elite is. So as a species, they have a very, very strong sense of honor. So think about your 
psycho indoctrinated space marine you know you're conditioned to be loyal to the core to the imperium you fight us you fight a certain way as your chapter dictates you know that is yeah. basically an elite to a t like you you they are very uh, famous for wielding energy swords quite a bit different from a jet from a jedi lightsaber but i digress so if you get challenged to a duel, you have to fight in a very honorable way. Or if you do something that is considered, you know, taking a cheap shot or backstabbing, that's very, that's dishonorable. So it's just basically like, uh, yeah, it's basically like Mushu from Mulan. It's like, that's it. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. <laughs> so we're going for every nationality in this episode. <laughs> it's a checklist, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> This is the genius. This is the Geneva suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> the Covenant know no such thing. Um, so hang on, I have a question though about their honor code. Okay. So like, has this ever like? I'm assuming you might get into it. If you get into it, feel free to tell me no. But like, has this ever like gotten like in their way? Like, has they ever challenged them to a duel? Like, you know, I said, it seemed like a one v one, an armor one v one against, like, say, a Spartan or someone, and then mm-hmm. where they get like bulldozed by a fucking sniper like a 75 caliber from like a mile and a half away oh this it has definitely gotten in their way numerous times okay and like okay mm-hmm. i mean i can't ha- think of a specific a specific event right off the top of my head but like there have been moments where you can easily do or that can easily be done just the way you described it within, okay. within the covenant how intense is upholding this honor code is it like punishable by death? Is there oh, a gray extremely, area? Extremely, extremely. So let me get to let me get to our next little bullet point. Here is they are very, as you can tell, very militaristic. You know, they take they take a lot of honor and glory and fighting in the battlefield. Honor, honor, my honor, my honor, my honor, honor for my honor. And you know, just general emphasis on warfare, and then you get promoted based off of how many kills you get. Oh, so that's kind of Oh yeah. So it's um, they're different. They're they're different ranks, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But think about like your highest of the high generals, or your commanders, or whatnot. They will have personally slaughtered thousands to have gotten to their position. Just think about how. Just think about how much of a monster you have to be to to not only take take on that many and win, but then keep your position, so to speak. Mm. Right. But going to that comment that Ray made about how, uh, you know, about how sometimes that honor kind of bites them in the ass a little bit. There is an interesting little tidbit that on their home world, doctors are considered one of the most dishonorable uh, beings <laughs> to, to be. <laughs> because in their mind, doctors cut you open to heal a wound or to take care of a take care of a problem and they're spilling blood. But because they're spilling blood in a way that's not on the battlefield, that is very dishonorable. So while they are not punished by death or exile, it is considered an embarrassment, one, for the elite to have to go to the doctor, and two, the doctor is basically just shunned by society as like a necessary evil, kind of like your medieval executioner type of, type of people. This will be my excuse now. <laughs> whenever, I, whenever I'm asked to go to the doctor. No, 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 no. It is dishonorable. I can think of another time their honor got in the way, but it's a long story and I won't get into it. I can imagine just like a Sankili on the medical table and he's just shaking his head in disappointment like shame on you shame on you damn my hmo isn't gonna cover this and i lost honor exactly (laughs) you disgust me (laughs) doesn't have help doesn't help with health insurance i'm fucking fucking it up 
He was just a doctor just looking down on him. Pathetic. <laughs> For the first time in forever. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we giggling? Uh, okay. Doctors, they're very just, they're just dishonorable. Anyways, right. so more they're on their home. pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> so the way their home world is kind of governed is there's not one single unifying government. So they're split up into different states known as keeps. And they're led by what they call a kaidon, or basically what translates to a lord. And they're advised by a council of elders. Mm-hmm. So that whole, you know, honor and very militaristic side of them. Assassinations happen quite a bit. And not only are they... Except that they are encouraged. So if you feel like your local Kaidon has done something to really upset you, you know, it's okay to, you know, go after the, go after him with a uh, uh, with a thug attack, maybe a planted bomb or, you know. But how's that honorable? It's not. So here's the kicker, though. If you go about it in a dishonorable way and lose, not just you are liable to be executed, but your entire family so let that sink in if you're going to assassinate your council elder or your kaidon you better do it right so imagine imagine that conversation with your wife honey trust me it's gonna go fine (laughs) honey i have a bad feeling about this (laughs) (laughs) two cents on rice this has a this has a very um like japanese shogun house feel to it you know what I mean? Um, you're you're actually kind of on the right track there. A lot of this whole sense of honor is was inspired by the uh, samurai code of conduct, which obviously yeah. they you know tweaked it, the producers tweaked it a little bit and uh, you know kind of made it more applicable to you know aliens and stuff. Right. Hence why they got uh, an anime. Oh yeah, and we'll get we'll get into a little bit of that in just just a just a moment. Anyway, so assassinations, yes, they are definitely encouraged. But here's the thing, though. In their way of thinking, you're ruling Kaidon. You're you're in charge of your people, your city state. You know, being led by by elders, and anyone could anyone could come in to try and assassinate you, either by themselves or in a group or whatever. It is your job to defend your honor, your title, and to fend them off. If you fail, if you get assassinated, well, you just weren't worthy of that position. So it was there. It was basically the assassin's right to take you out for your weakness <laughs> aka it's your own fault Damn. if That's you win right that blade <laughs> but if you win hey you get to you get to keep your title you get to keep you know keep your power and then it is on you to figure to decide what to do with the assassin which would usually just mean you know immediate execution that, that's a really interesting way to handle an honor code like they're so intense about it but if someone is outright brutally cold-blooded no morality to it they're just skill issue bro get better you know it's just yeah like damn okay then yeah they're they're they can be a little inconsistent at times but you know, a little just, a little that's just, that's just, bipolar just, dude what are you talking just uh just a little well, it's like that show good too i don't think i've considered like a like a coin flip like oh yeah it's dishonorable to assassinate someone because like you could argue it would be honor it would be dishonorable to allow someone to for lack of a better word like use and abuse you by being your what's the word car cardon whatever it's called Kaidon. Kaidon, yeah like you could say that it's like an affront to your honor if someone is like say you're Kaidon and they're like 
being a poor ruler. You could say that it would be dishonorable to serve them. Yeah, by attacking them, though, you are. Exactly. It, it, and, and that is the exact excuse that can be that can and has been used at times is they are being a terrible leader. I do not agree with this position that they're taking. It's hurting us. It's hurting our honor. I am going to take him out. If you succeed, then great. Then you were then by all means, you were right. There have been there has been at least one case that someone tried to, you know, tried to assassinate their local Kaidon, but then uh, they failed. But because they did it in a quote unquote honorable way, which I think was just like they just challenged them to a duel, uh, you know, with spears and swords or whatever, that only he was executed for, you know, his crime of assassination, but his family was just just merely exiled to parts unknown. So again, with the whole bipolarness of you know from all of society, <laughs> yeah. So children, <laughs> now we go from assassination to children. They have this <laughs> unique position of because, as we mentioned before, uh, elites are reptilian and they actually lay eggs. They are laid in clutches, and so whenever a Sangheili is born, they are not allowed to know who their uh, who their father, who their biological father is. They are raised in basically communal groups. And their maternal uncle is the one that actually does the raising and the, and the discipline. So, so, like in the family matriarchy, say that again. Sorry, my connection. Uh, is the it, within the family is like the matriarch the head of the home? Uh, kind of, sort of. The uh, whoever the ruling kaidon is, that is, it's kind of. You'll find that a lot of these keeps and holds are kind of held by a same family lineage. So uh, to to give you an example, so the most famous elite, the Arbiter, his real name is Thel Vadami or Vadim. And he before he joins the before he joined the covenant was was a ruling Kaidon in his own right, and his keep was the Vadim estate. Hmm. Interesting. So mm-hmm. just just give you kind of a idea of how that how that works. And the other uh, interesting little thing about not knowing who your biological father is, it creates that sense of family lineage is important. You are loyal to your keep. However, not knowing who your biological father is is supposed to create that sense of community with who you grew up with, who trained you, you know, who your who your local lord is, who your council of elders are. It's supposed to create that communal sense instead of just like. Uh, Oh, I am the son of the great Muhammad. The less family names and more like clan affiliation. Very, very much more clan affiliation as opposed to who was your father? Who was his father? Kind of like how we associate, kind of like how the nobles in Game of Thrones, like I am of House Stark. My grandfather was Brandon Stark, the builder, and so on and so forth. They create this more uh, clan focused clan-centered relationship so it doesn't have it does have something to do with blood ice but like it's not bloodline like heirs or anything like that anyone Correct. from the clan within the line can inherit it yeah. so it's it's I mean, a title yes family lineage lineage is important but not so much that it, it doesn't matter who your father was can you actually do you know do you have your own honor can you are you able to fight as a true warrior? So on and so forth. Interesting. So, hang on. I have two. Well, I have two questions technically. So, um, are they? I guess I shouldn't say are they, 
But like, do they have a somewhat patriarchal society? Um, do men have a role, or is it more predominantly um, like equality on both sides, or is it matriarchal because the mothers are like usually in their lives? To answer that question, it's kind of they each have their own specific role, but it's not so hard. Like this is a patriarchal society; the men rule. Blah 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 blah. It's a little more. A little bit more egalitarian, but because, you know, the men are the tougher fighters, you know, they're going to be the warriors. The, the ladies are going to, you know, they're they tend after the the children. They, you know, they run they run the household. So there is a little bit of those gender roles, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So but, the, I mean, it's the not natural of, like biological differences deem deem their position, but it's not necessarily like there's a hard, fast rule like no girls allowed in the elder. Right, room. right. And there is a uh, a couple of kydons. yeah, there are a couple of female kaidons, and females are you know they are allowed to take leadership if they feel that you know the male just doesn't have have what it takes, essentially. Especially mm-hmm. if they prove themselves honorably, right? Like if they earn the exactly. position, they earn the position. Well, that also brings up my second point to the question: is that because of you said you said it was saying saying what was that? The, no, the planets. Oh, Saint Helios. Thank you. That's right, Helios. I was thinking of something like sun related. Yeah, so Saint Helios is a death where, like you said, I could see like the reason they don't have a very strong like male focus on like fatherhood is because the fact that it's a death world. There's probably a lot of war between their cultures or their tribes or whatever their distinction is. You say clans, right? Yeah, Um, they they do a lot of focus towards you know for around the clan. Yeah, so I could see, like, because of how harsh the planet is and how strong, like, tribalism is, I could see, like, war happening a lot just for survival or against, like, other tribes or against other clans, rather. So I could see, yeah. like, I could, that's the reason why I was asking, like, the male roles was because, like, are men predominantly, like, the military? Because of the fact of, like, I could say because there's so much war and, and like, death among, like, the military and among, like, the higher class or higher, I guess, like, the ruling class, rather. I could see that, like, Almost in a uh, utilitarian, there's no point in knowing who your father is because, like, life is so shit here and you die so soon. You can die from, like, whatever reason. There's no point in you knowing your father because he's probably off in war. He's doing his own thing. Whereas because I don't go to war, I'm the mother. Or rather, I'm the more maternal figure of this household. I don't need to go to war or my presence in war is not necessary so I can raise you. You don't have to worry about who your father is. I could just see that being a very like organic explanation for why the like system is like the way it is. Yep. And you've pretty much hit the nail on the head right there because, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of clan wars going on. There's, uh, you know, just this, you know, because they are very militaristic species in general, of course, the guys are going to do most of the fighting, you know, the, the mm-hmm. ladies are going to take care of things at home. However, mm-hmm. it is not it is not unheard of for for the ladies to step up and take a take a leadership role. And mm-hmm. you know, it's not like uh, you know, it's not like what Brody says, like oh, no girls allowed, you know, that sort of thing. Right? Well, yeah, like you guys were mentioning, like female car uh, I mean, like are there any cool, points? Are there any cool stories of like if a certain clan's home village or city is attacked, like all the the citizens fighting back, including like the women and children. Um, it would not be unheard of. I cannot think of a specific story Halo, where that happens. Halo but... Four or Halo Five, sorry. 
Oh yeah, Halo Five, Halo Five. Um, oh, so that's something actually, that totally happens. Yep. Yeah, actually, yep, yep. Halo Five. Sorry, I kind of partially forgot Halo Five existed for a minute. <laughs> Don't it's worry. Terrible. Most of the it's... people that know the good games do. <laughs> it's terrible, yeah, but yeah. it's like cool from a story standpoint. You know what I mean? The image I mean, uh, of all these roles just banding together in a moment of need. You know? I mean, I the, the Halo Five does have some interesting points. I will, but again, I will cover that in mm-hmm. in a little while. Uh, so one, a uh, couple other things about you know uh, saying Haley is the or the elites is uh, they have certain naming conventions. When I was telling you earlier by uh, you know the quotes that we did by Artas Vadumi or actually Vadum is depending on what the elite does, they actually are able to change their names to a degree or have certain additions to their names. So kind of like you know you're given a title like Ray, you're Lord Rayway of the uh, of Ulthuan. Yeah. So with elites, you know, you're given your birth name. That's just, that's your given name, essentially. And then over time, you're given what's called a badge name. And that can either be the family name of the clan that you were born into, or a name that, uh, that is chosen for you, depending on the deeds that you, that you have performed at that, you know, at that age of basically, you know, puberty or, you know, rite of passage and things like that. And so it can be, uh, like a family name or like a uh, what's that? What's the official word? Port, portmanteau, basically like two different words that can match together, and then that's what's your badge name or your. That is in that is in elite society on Saint Helios. Now, when the Covenant come along, or when they join the Covenant, I should say, uh, if you serve, if you specifically serve in the Covenant military you are given the option of adding a double E suffix to, to your badge name. So to use our quote uh, example from before, Ertas Vadum, that is his given name and his badge name. He serves in the Covenant military, so now his name is Ertas Vadumi with the EE attached at the end of his name. When we joined the Covenant, we took an oath. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. Sorry, I'm allergic to <laughs> uh, Zenos. I think they're allergic to humans too. Heresy, heresy. Okay. Oh, I'm we'll good. we'll get we'll get to that when when they meet up with the humans. Heresy. Um, another another name that you can that you can have is an AI suffix, which basically denotes you are a master swordsman. So there was an elite named there was an elite with the last name Kuso or Kusov, sorry. Uh, but because he was a master swordsman in his time during the covenant, he was given the suffix AI, so his name became Kusovai, which which <laughs> notes he is the best of the best when it comes to wielding an energy sword. And then you have others like Jar and Nar, which are basically kind of like titles that come with like uh, come with very important military ranks, kind of like a uh, you know imperial admiral, supreme commander. Mm, that being awesome. said. Go ahead. Just one thing, sorry. The AI thing is based off of, I recognize it immediately, Kensi, sword saints from Japanese culture. They were like masters of the sword and blade yeah, exactly. in their culture. I love the historical Japanese references. I just had to comment oh, yeah, there's There is a ton of historical feudal Japanese references, especially with the elites, like the honor code system, the swordsmanship. Totally Bushido. Just... I can see so much of it in it. It's so cool. Absolutely, and uh, just like Shark mentioned, there actually there actually is a Halo anime that features the elites. We'll get to it in a little bit, and they are the way they are drawn is very much like your typical armor. Like I'm pretty sure the villain is dressed up as um, Takeda Shengen, basically. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking of. 
I mean, even their feet, like this may be, might be a little bit of a stretch, but the way their toe splits looks like the sandals that Samurai would wear as a Ooh, part of armor. Ooh, that's a good reference. I should have noticed that. That's actually really smart. Yeah, look mm-hmm. at the look at the picture. It looks just like that. I just all these references are connecting in my mind. It's awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. So to kind of go over the whole ranking system. So like I said, elite ranks are determined by basically how well you perform on the battlefield. So mm-hmm. the more kills you get, the better you lead your troops, the quicker your promotion gets. So we'll just start from the bottom and kind of work our way up. This is by no means a complete list of like all the ranks that an elite has. This is just we're just I'm just going over like the core your class, your quote unquote classic e- elites, essentially. So starting off from the bottom, you are what is called a miner. Nice, l- nice uh, cobalt blue armor. You know, very you stick out like a sore thumb on the battlefield. So E R um, or O R, O R. Okay. So he is not underaged. He just happens to be minor compared to the other ranks. Yeah. As in like <laughs> minor or major. Indeed. Indeed. Which is kind of Gosh. funny because the next rank is the major. <gasps> I'm a prophet. I knew it. <laughs> and they have red armor. So it's like when the when the developers were creating this game, they wanted Bungie is very good at this. They wanted to create. They created a system where your enemies you can easily tell who you how important your enemies were based off of like certain colorations. So it's just like. You're playing a game and on a level you see a bunch of blue elites or whatnot, but then you see like one or two red elites, you realize you need to take those guys out first. Mm. I was actually going to mention they, uh, Bungie does do this as well in Destiny with the Fallen who are very similar to the Brutes. So they do have like different color schemes based on rank and like um, I guess what would be equivalent to like uh, uh, clans. It's like it's cool that they kept the reference or not the reference, but they kept that um style going even across games. I mean, do what you're good at, right? It's one of their strong suits. I noticed the references to Destiny too, or like the similarities to Destiny. Oh yeah, and I think they actually got they actually started this whole trend with uh, one of their older games called Marathon, and that's where a lot of like a lot of the if you look back to the original Halo and then you look at their Marathon game, you see a lot of references to that game especially like the marathon symbol, which conveniently looks like the Tau symbol from 40K. Surrender, human. If not for you, then for the greater good. So it's just like references within references within references. It's great. Awesome. All right. Next rank on our list is the Stealth Elite. And it kind of, the, the color itself kind of varies from game to game. Uh, I think uh, the original Halo was kind of like a blue, bluish gray. But then mm-hmm. Halo 2 comes along. I think they have more like a gray or brown, mm-hmm. uh, brown coloration. But they have like active camouflage all the time. So like think about the uh, Predator in the first Predator movie when he has the camouflage going on. You like you see wavy lines. It's just like he's zipping around or whatnot. That's kind of how active camo works for the elites. Yeah. So again, back to the Predator references. Next up is a Spec Ops. These guys are cool. They have jet black armor and they are in game. They are fucking terrifying with grenades. <laughs> they are very oh, grenade. That looks cool. Oh, that looks cool. I'm a big armor guy. So like this. And this you, awesome. you'll see, you'll see a lot of these pictures I'm drawing from here are from the halo reach model of elites, which in my personal opinion, I know halo reach can be kind of polarizing. So I apologize Stark, if I make you feel a certain type of way, but hey, I think Reach is one of my favorites. 
especially in how they and how they present the elites or just actually the, the covenant in general but especially the elites i actually think it's one of the better games so you're not offending me so okay good I'm, I'm offending the audience by saying that but you know what here well, i'll be makes, the audience i'll be the audience for a second since i don't have a dog in this game I am okay. so utterly offended by this. I cannot believe that you would take this position that I am so offended by. Okay. To, to be fair, though, I think most of their complaints are gameplay related and not lore related. I think oh. it's universally agreed that the lore for Halo Reach is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, but not I to derail us too hard, but like if one thing were to come to mind on the most common complaint, like what what drags down the game? Uh, Just general game balance things like Bloom and stuff. We oh, won't okay. get into it. <laughs> I see, I see. Bloom is um, a controversial topic. Yeah, and I think there were some complaints like this was the start of like Halo slowly turned into the next Call of Duty with like sprint mode and like your your different perks and your items and stuff that you can use. Or, or, well, in Halo it's called armor abilities, but it, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, it was a complaint, but it wasn't. We'll delve, we'll delve a little bit into the gameplay stuff because, I mean, uh, you know, because you know, it's it's Halo, it's 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 fun. But anyways, right. Moving on. Next rank is one of the next to highest ranks, and these are the ultras. So instead of jet black, we go to white or silver. These guys like the guy are left. Oh yeah, the the guy on the left is are the ultras that you see specifically in Reach, and then the guy on the right is the kind that you basically see in. They actually didn't show up in Halo One, but you do see them in. Uh, you do see them in Halo Two. And they have this ability called Overshield. So you know how when uh, Ray, you can attest to this. You know how you have basically like a shielding system in Destiny, or some of the boss enemies do. Yes, yes, yes. Even the name Overshield is in Destiny. Which again, this is Bungie plagiarizing themselves. So, <laughs> but uh, fighting Ultras in Halo Two is a bitch because you think of how hard it is to take down like you know your Spec Ops Elite or your uh, Major Elite. And like what kind of firepower it takes to just take down their regular shields. Now you got to fight a silver armored elite with double the uh, energy and it takes forever. And then they are, they are hyper accurate with a plasma rifle, which is, you know, the, you know, the purple gun that you see on the, uh, the guy on the right. Mm -hmm. And if they're doing that, if you get too close to them, they're going to scream at you and then they will draw an energy sword and they will bum rush you. (laughs) (laughs) It is terrifying. PTSD from Halo 2. I like uh, this image. Legendary Halo Halo 2 legend. I haven't even gotten past like the second one. Don't even don't even get me started on sniper jackals. I might kill myself. Oh, sniper jackals. <laughs> oh. I'm having flashbacks. Okay. But even this is nothing compared to the Zealot. One quick question Zealot. as I look at these images. What is the average like height and build of a Sankili? Like how how daunting is the stature of these guys. These guys are on the shorter end of the scale, around seven feet, which, uh, you know, that's about the same level as Master Chief. Master Chief, that thing is canonically like seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. These guys, on average, are anywhere from eight to eight and a half feet tall. So basically like a space mm-hmm. plane, to put it in mm-hmm. 40K terms. Awesome. So hang on. That's, that's why these guys... question to the, to the height. Go ahead. So hang on. They're on average, they're seven. Does that mean that, like, do they get bigger with age, or is it just that some of them are just just bigger? 
Um, it's a little bit of both. It's they do tend to get bigger with age, but on the whole, there are some that are just built. Huge. Yeah, I, I think oh, it's yeah. just like freak genetic. Like somehow people are five five two, and then some are like six four. Like yeah, it's just it, it's oh, kind wow. of variation. And I there's bet an, you, could, you could fill it in with your imagination. It's just like Earth, you know what I mean? Like yeah. certain certain people from around oh, the yeah. world just have a gene pool that makes them taller than the well, other ones. You know, you could you could imagine it's also like the higher rank guys are taller. And they're probably higher rank because they're getting a height advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Because also the more sword fight. Yeah, because also the higher rank guys have better armor, better equipment, and overall, just you know, the better you get, the better equipment. You know, the better equipment you get to use. And I get. Okay. Um, I, I was going to show this guy a little bit later, but I'll go ahead and bring him up now. Talking about the just genetic. Holy crap! There is a elite character named Ripa Morami. <laughs> and he is an arbiter, but from a different time period. And this dude is like pushing nine feet tall. Yeah, I think he's also That's built him. like a brick shit house compared oh, to like other elites. Dude, too. he looks fucking sweet. Yeah. That oh, armor. Yeah. He, he is. Not a, he's not only tall; he's wide. He is <laughs> wide, and he is angry yeah. and terrifying. He chonk. Oh, he chonk. And so, like, you can tell with, like, some of these some of these elites where you can see their mandibles. You know, they're very close and tight-knit. This dude just hangs his mandibles wide open so you can see all of his teeth. He almost looks like an alligator, like, if you're looking at it from a weird side angle. You know what I mean? Like, how <laughs> large his maw is. You get, you get what I'm saying, though? Like, it looks mm-hmm. like a, a crocodile mm-hmm. just posing for a selfie underneath that helmet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We will talk about this guy in also in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that is like the bait. The, oh, and of course, you know, since he's an arbiter, you cannot uh, cannot forget the ever important rank of arbiter, which this is uh, near and dear to my heart. This gentleman right here. Is this so, an older game model? Yes, it is this is, this is arbiter's model from Halo 3. His proportions compared to the like last picture is like looking at like the first edition Warhammer models compared to tenth edition Warhammer <laughs> yeah. models. It's I, like it's whoa! Because, <laughs> it's it's because this model actually came came out in Halo Three, and the older the other model that y'all saw was from Halo Wars, which is a uh, RTS game. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good game, very good game. Definitely worth it if you like your Underrated. RTSs. A very underrated and they uh they kind of updated the models a little bit so that's why the big guy uh the big guy's model is you know looks more refined yeah. so to speak this guy's la- the last guy's armor though is really cool too i, yeah. I honestly like the whole feel of it i, yeah, I think a- they also just give the excuse that he's like a genetic freak of the elites too mm. oh yeah oh yeah and he actually does a big no-no in that well uh we'll talk about a and uh you know when they actually found the covenant but he uh the covenant are led by not just the elites but a alien race called the prophets and the prophets are like where the whereas the elites are the uh military leader of the covenant the prophets are more the spiritual leader so think to your so think to the ecclesiarchy from uh, 40k and that's kind of how that dynamic works essentially ah, okay and so what that freak of nature elite does is he draws his energy swords in front of a prophet which by covenant law, you do not do that. You are to be executed on the spot. The mm-hmm. only reason he is not executed on the spot is because he is an arbiter. Ah, that is the only okay. reason. Also, also another feudal Japan reference as well. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Very um, cool. I wish I was a weeb. 
you know, you know, one thing I, I'm curious about. So uh, is there any evidence or any place for we're talking about like genetic freaks in nature? And this is like the good result, right? At least like the big guy, right? He's huge. He's awesome. He's badass. But what mm -hmm. about if something goes really wrong? Like, let's say a Sangheili mom was drinking while she was pregnant <laughs> and whatever the hell popped out is not right. What happens? I think that Spartan good... society has the answer for that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just okay. just look to the Spartans and uh, that's all the detail I'm going to go into. You think the Sangheili like pregnant drinking ads are just humans? It's just pictures <laughs> of humans. Instead. Oh my god! Do you want your child? To, do you want your child to turn out like this or be a doctor? It's just a picture of Grayway. Just oh my god! <laughs> my mom drank at birth. Now I'm a doctor. <laughs> oh, you know the woes of life. Just... Not only am I a doctor, I try and heal up those scars so they don't scar as bad. I'm the oh. ultimate worst nightmare doctor. <laughs> you shame. I okay. can patch up scars so good. Did you just say you I became a street scars inside. I am here to ask the important questions, people. <laughs> Weird. I'm gonna make that into a meme now. Why have you why have you disowned Timmy? Is it because he became a street bum? No, he became a doctor. Oh, for <laughs> shame. But not only a doctor, a dentist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh man. Okay. Second okay. derailing of the night. Let's go. Oh, oh yeah. This is just, just lovely. So, but that is like the, of course, there are other ranks that exist too, like counselor and whatnot, but they're not really that important for the purposes of our discussion. Just kind of like a who's who whenever you're playing, whenever you're playing Halo and you're seeing all these different colored elites and that, like now you know what they, what they are and uh, who they are and what they do. So now you know how to prioritize. Anyways, now we get into the history. But before we do that, we kind of have to let's kind of give Ray and uh, Brody here up to up to speed, kind of just to dip our toes into like how incredibly vast and deep the lore of Halo is. So we're going to start from the very beginning. Don't worry, we're going to brush over this fairly quickly enough to where you have a sense of like what's going on here. Let there be light. Let there be light. <laughs> The and end. it was done by an alien race called the Precursors. What, what, what? I know, original name, right? <laughs> I know, right? These naming like conventions, bro. And the it's, Forerunners. Oh, wait, hang on. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like they took some inspiration from somewhere, but I can't put it anywhere. <laughs> the human language, like basic English. <laughs> I think that's where they got that from. <laughs> Precursor. It's like the old ones. It's like, wow, great job, guys. Yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's what I was, that was what I was the inspiration. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, let there be light, and the precursors seeded the galaxy with life. So they are super advanced, just like just like beyond like even old one or Necron comprehension, if you could believe that. Oh damn! And... Okay, okay, we're talking serious here. Oh yeah, yeah. Could oh yeah. They throw galaxies or some shit. Yes, they t they taught the forerunners that. Think about that. Oh, so are they, they taught the forerunners how to throw galaxies? <laughs> so, like hopeless Warhammer nerd here, are they like a combination of like the Catan and the old ones? Like how they had just such mastery over I, different I, aspects. I'll, of the I'll, I'll I'll briefly explain what they can do. Imagine the chaos gods in real space, but they're they apply to everywhere. That's actually a very good description. Damn. Okay. Okay. I mm -hmm. get it. Okay, so it's the precursors that seed the galaxy of life. They believe in this thing called the mantle of responsibility, 
which is essentially a mandate of whoever the highest, the most intelligent and highest form of civilization. It is your personal duty to ensure that all to basically ensure biodiversity, ensure life in the galaxy continues on. So if you think about uh, Chinese history, there is this thing called the mandate of heaven, which is if you are the emperor, you know, if you're the emperor of China or whatnot, uh, it is your job to manage to manage and help your people as much as possible. If something, if a natural disaster happens and you lose and you know, you lose a lot of people or you get ousted because of your poor management, you lost that mandate of heaven because you were not, because you were not fit enough to lead your people through this crisis. So that kind because of basically you can do no wrong until you do wrong. As so, as long as you're doing your job, everything is okay. But once yeah. you don't do it, you no longer have that mantle of responsibility, and you it is it is up to you to either fix that or be replaced. Yeah. So the mandate of heaven was like an extremely enforced political and like religious man mandate and rule for the Chinese Empire, I believe. And yeah, basically, like you said, everything you do is bested by the gods unless something goes wrong or someone over supersedes you. And then, oh, well, I guess the gods don't like you. So that's kind of how this whole thing works. And speaking of being replaced, the precursors also create the forerunners. Forerunners also very advanced, uh, you know, very advanced. They're more on level with like old ones and like old ones plus, if that makes okay. sense, if that makes sense. Not to the level, exactly. Not to the level, not the level of precursors like what Shark has just mentioned, but Uh you know, very, very smart, very, very intelligent, and just very capable technology. Yeah, like even we're comparing them to the old ones, but like for us, it's still like unfathomable their capabilities. Exactly. They have. They have only up the old ones. (laughs) (laughs) I believe they describe the other species as ants. On the back of the universe. Mm-hmm. Since they're like the better old ones, they're like the older ones, guys. Okay, they're just cooler. <laughs> very good. Very apt description. Of course. The old ones. The older, older ones. The <laughs> oldest ones. Guys, we're getting yep. creative here. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Must write these notes down. <laughs> write that down. Write that down. Okay, continue before I derail again. Jot that down. Genius. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so this mantle of responsibility and being replaced, well, so like I said before, the precursors seeded all life in the galaxy. They seeded the forerunners very advanced. However, it is also believed that the precursors seeded what would become humans. And they determined through whatever science that they believe in that humans are the better uh, are the better to inherit the mantle of responsibility. The forerunners <laughs> did not take well to that. And I am putting that very lightly. So lightly, in fact, they actually went to war and, to, and into a war of extermination. Okay, okay wait, 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 wait. I, I got to rewind because my brain shorted out as it does. Um, What were the options? Like, okay, so the forerunners and the precursors were just like looking at all their weird little children, right? Mm-hmm. How did they choose humans over the rest of it? That is like, a very good question. Is that it just is... unknown? There, there's a, there is a very complicated theory that I won't get into because it might spoil another episode, but okay. it's very complex. Okay, it is okay. a very complicated thing that's beyond our, our understanding. So yeah. we're just gonna have to take the precursor's words for it, and they just determined humanity is the better inheritor of the mantle responsibility. All right. So, 
They wrote names and picked it out of a, yeah. out of a box. It's it's <laughs> like it's like trying to understand why God makes a decision. You're like, well, he decided to flood the earth today. Not really sure why. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to think that they're just looking at all their children. They saw the same Keely and they're like, oh, God, you ugly bastards. They just went over to the <laughs> like, ah, much better. Much better. Much better. <laughs> they actually like dentistry over here, guys. Far better. I, I, I'm sure I'm, I, I will just touch on it. Uh, the cultures of the races were not the same at the time. Oh no! Absolutely. Oh, I yeah. think like none sing Healy's. Uh, <laughs> so, go ahead. Oh, uh, if I remember correctly, they also weren't from Zenhilos at the time. Oh okay. uh, no! If I remember correct. Oh, although I'm not versed in that particular lore, but uh, yeah, um, we'll get anyways. we'll get to it in a minute. We'll get to it when we get to it. So the so the forerunners get into a. Nice little tussle with the precursors, and it turns into a war of extermination. Through some grace of, I don't know what they would call a god, but they, the forerunners, won. Like, once, w- once again, getting into the theory. <laughs> yes, it, it's it's a very complicated theory that we're not going to go into tonight. But okay, ba- okay, basically, so just I take our word for it. This, yeah, not too terrible, not too much. But okay. basically, that you know, the forerunners won, and. Just obliterate the pre- the precursors, and there is just a lot of bad stuff happens. Like they even say, precursors is like basically turn themselves into dust. You know, think of the uh, burning of Prospero, the uh, you know the Rubicai Marines, and all that good stuff. Oh, <laughs> those are some of my favorite kind of Marines. Actually, I love that. Uh, man of culture, I see. Oh, so, Wait, I'll say like, hang on, did they turn themselves into ash, or did they just get like blasted and turned into ash? Uh, that is, like, go ahead, shark. Sh- they are shapeshifters and can decide their form. Oh, okay. Exactly. So they got blasted by like a neutron blast. And was like, oh no, I've died, and then turned into dust. Yeah, just as that's intended. A, that, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm that, imagining. That first possibility. Just imagine a misfire, and you're just a pile of ash. Like shit. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Now I'm stuck in the safety. (laughs) (laughs) I I imagine all the forerunners had to do to win this war was knock on the door, and the guy's like, "All right, I'm turning to dust now." (laughs) (laughs) He won't expect this. Bam! (laughs) So he won't expect if I use the front door. (laughs) (laughs) So precursors essentially become dust, literally and figuratively, and the forerunners are sitting nice and high on their mental responsibility. Right. And, indubitably yeah. indubitably so this goes on for you know just mo- countless millennia because these are very long-lived if you know basically functionally immortal uh, uh species well over time they experience a infestation a infestation of a parasitic nature that they end up calling the flood <gasps> now where this flood comes from is Kind of goes into that very overly complicated theory that Shark and I have been mentioning this entire time that may or may not involve the precursors. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. All you need to know is they're once they discover this infestation of flood, and it is they have they are doing everything they possibly can to contain this infestation. They are losing badly. And they just keep every kind of defense they come up with, every kind of measure, you know, you know, flood. The flood are very weak against fire, fire-based or high-energy heat wave weapons, but it's just it's just not enough. It's, everything they do, everything they throw at the flood is not enough. 
So they come up with a last ditch effort to neutralize the flood, if at all possible. There is a particular forerunner individual called the librarian. She took it upon herself to basically collect all the sentient creatures that are still that are still in the galaxy, which would be, you know, your proto-humans, your proto-elites. They she collects them up, catalogs them, you know, takes up all the as much data as possible into something called the ark. Hmm. Now, where have we heard something like that before? A flood? An ark? Bungie. What? There's a reason they like the number seven. seven. <laughs> There's a reason they like number seven. It has to do with biblical references. Wait, well, on, isn't, isn't Master Chief's name John one one six? Isn't that like a passage in the Bible? One 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 seven. Lordy, lordy. The original oh. authors of the Bible is like, look what your where your shame has brought you. Back. Can I sue oh, you for plagiarism? No. Jesus <laughs> wakes up next day. All right, that's it. All right, Bungie. This is just in. Dead. You're all going to hell. <laughs> Eternal damnation. Meanwhile, Bungie's like, like flapping their hands with fucking like, like millions of dollars, millions of dollars worth of money. Oh no, our immortal souls. <laughs> oh no. Since when is a corporation ever worried about that? Okay, so basically the flood is just spreading horribly, right? The flood is spreading across the entire galaxy at an okay. alarmingly fast rate. And there is not much the forerunners can do other than just yeah. slow their process. So think of it. So whoever made the comment that they were very similar to the Tyranids, that is exactly how, how it is. Like, you yeah. know the Tyranids are coming. You know they're spreading. You know yeah. that High Fleet is going to consume your entire planet for its biomass. There right. is not much you can do to stop it. How like, okay? So I have two questions. One, okay. the you said the the scale of it's like the galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. When they were fighting the precursors and the forerunners, it was a, was it like a war in heaven kind of scenario? You know what I mean? Ex- like just exactly yes, exactly just complete galactic or universal warfare. Okay, so the flood is yes. spreading at an alarming rate. How do they travel? So they so the forerunners and the precursors have this thing, or for precursors is kind of different, but basically. Space travel in Halo is done through this thing called slip space. Mm. And it is a essentially, I'm not an astrophysicist, so I'm probably going to butcher this explanation. I apologize to all the angry, actually, comments that are about to happen. But you're essentially like point A, point B. You know, there's a certain distance between it. And with slip space, you're basically at another dimension that compresses that area around you. So you get to where you're going a lot faster. You're warping space and time to kind of like pop you out like the location yes. you want to go to. Yeah, okay. it sounds you're, like a it sounds like a railway system kind of. I, it's hilarious that you use that because the flood actually use a more advanced method later on that the precursors used. That's called a railroad. Yeah, <laughs> yep. That's why that's why I said it's different for the precursors because for for that reason I did not actually did not know it was called the railroad, but <laughs> uh, I, I think they call it Star Road or something like it's. Something, something kind of corny yeah, yeah. but i, I but think it's, it, it, it's literally just called star roads wow yeah creative yes sometimes some bungie is great with their naming conventions and sometimes they're not <laughs> yeah but anyways so as the last measure while the librarian is cataloging all these sentient species the rest of the forerunners are creating what is called the halo system and it is a series of seven ring worlds round 
uh, I think it says like 10,000, uh, yeah, 10,000 kilometers in diameter. So like just a little bit smaller than earth. Mm. And here's a picture of one of the halos. They look oh, kind of like so that. These are like artificial worlds. Yes, they are artificial worlds. And it's, it's kind of like taking the inspiration from uh ring world. I think is the name okay. of the name of the book. They originally had, I think like nine, but for some reason the other two could not be, were not completed right, or there was just this is there was just something that would just wasn't right about them, so they ended up with seven. So again, another seven reference for the Bungie fans out there, and they were strategically placed at certain parts of the galaxy so that what this does is when it activates the whole system, it basically becomes a chain reaction that eliminates all living creatures in the galaxy. So it's like so, galaxy-wide exterminatus? Kind of. Yeah, but a galaxy-wide exterminatus that only goes after uh, a certain biomass. Because it, like the Tyranids, the Flood thrive on biomass. That is how they that is how they evolve, and that is how they end up what create what's called a grave mind, which is a basically like take the corpses of like thousands upon thousands of dead individuals and retain all their memories, their thoughts, and uh, their skill set coalesce it all together into one giant Venus flytrap worm hybrid monster and that is what you call a grave <laughs> and that is the ruling intelligence of the flood essentially it's Delightful. basically the hive mind of the Tyranids yes yeah. except there are multiple grave minds and I think yeah multiple grave minds I, instead of it, just one single hive mind like for the Tyranids yeah I've I think it's also described as they all share the same memories and thoughts, but like yes. they're in, indi they're individual, but they're, they share the same like memories and mm -hmm. thoughts. Yep. So and they it, it's less like the hive mind is almost like a cosmic God on the level that's so moved of its species, but the grave minds are individual leaders, but they can relate to each other like signal towers. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, because there are certain grave minds have certain quirks. Like you actually meet a grave mind in Halo 2. And he has a very odd manner of speaking because apparently, like, I guess of the bodies that make up his his being, one was like some kind of warrior poet that like wrote and spoke in the me the manner of speech that he chooses to speak in. I think his greeting line is I am in a testament to your sins. Holy yes. fuck! That goes hard. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Like Bro, you're man. Master Chief, and you're yeah. and you're knocked out by a by a blast, and you're thrown into a lake, and you're just dragged away by a bunch of tentacles. You meet this Venus flytrap monster, and then the blue AI known as Cortana asks, "Just like, what is that?" And then that's that line. He's like, "I am a monument to all of your sins." That. <laughs> You know how much of a like an absolute mindfuck it would be to like meet us other oh great mind. We, we should partner. We should talk about. I, mean, I, I don't want to get into it. Plant. I I don't want to get too much into it. But there was a grave mind called the Primordial, who mm -hmm. anytime somebody talked to him, they committed suicide because what they told him or what he told them was so horrible. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, and so they actually, are very personable. They are very. They can be very personable, and he's and the one that and the one that says that line. I'm a monument to your sins. He speaks in what's called iambic uh, septameter, which I'm not a poet. So uh, essentially, like it's like the manner of speech that emphasizes the seventh syllable 
of whatever you're speaking, which again, another seven. So to beat this intelligence, to beat this, they have to be deprived of the of their food, their biomass. So that is why the Halo Array was built, was to kill all life in the galaxy, starve out the flood. Once they're starved out, all the races or whatnot that the librarian was collecting data on can then be reseeded back into the galaxy so to basically start over. And so that is exactly what happens to the elites. That's what happens to the humans, to like all the race, all the client races of the covenant. That is how this whole thing came to be. The problem is pretty much the entirety of the forerunners die out with them because only a select few make it onto the arc or I'm sorry. So this, I forgot to mention this arc is a gigantic structure that purposely builds halo rings. So think about how big, oh, here we go. So think about how big, like how big the halo rings are. Like I just told you, they're slightly smaller than the size of and this is the arc, and you can see a halo ring in its center. <laughs> oh, fuck. And so this this arc Base is flower. in a position. This arc is in a position, basically, uh, like so far in the galactic void. You can see the entire Milky Way galaxy in the distance. So, wow. and that's why it's called the arc. Is if you are on this when the halo array activates, you are perfectly safe. You are perfectly safe. The Halo Ray is not going to affect you whatsoever. So, Halo Ray gets activated. Wow. Covenant are, sorry, not Covenant. The Flood are starved of their biomass. Librarian reseeds, you know, life back into the galaxy of all the species that she's cataloged. And then, you know, life goes on. The thing is, like I said, the Forerunners, they all died when the Halo Ray was activated because they know there was just, there was no hope for them either. So it was just, they sacrificed themselves. So that way the rest of the galaxy can move on, you know, can evolve and, you know, do its thing. That's really cool. Oh yeah. That being said though, the forerunners leave a shit ton of their technology behind in either, in either, you know, some kind of ruins or some kind of special uh, structures, just any kind of piece of technology you can think of. So now we get back to the elites. So the elites evolve in St. Helios after the reseeding or whatnot. Then just like Shark mentioned, I don't, I don't believe they were originally from St. Helios, but that was just where they happened to be, or that's where they were reseeded after the Halo Ray was fired. Do you think that they were put on the death world because the librarian assumed that the species could survive in those harsh conditions? I would not put it past her. would have taken into consideration? It would have been kind of put- a... It would have been a dick move to just reseed them on a plant they would have immediately died on. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking, right? Like, you're describing it like a death world, and she's like, eh, whatever. You're ugly anyway, you know? And just, like, throws them, <laughs> just, just chucks them out of the ship. That's why she chucks them at St. Helios. <laughs> Damn, you ugly bitch. Just kicks them like a soccer ball. Man, I, I, I hope these ones these don't guys. survive. This is why they hate doctors. The scientists just punted their first ancestor <laughs> I imagine this like little baby sing Healy and he's like examined and it's like, what are you? I'm a doctor. Oh, can I be one? Maybe. Good luck. Just bunts him out of the door on this, like he falls like face first. He's like three years old. And you see nice him, like, to meet like, you, doctor lady. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, I spit my lip. <laughs> oh. And, and it's like sense. he has a tear. 
his little tear. I will forever <laughs> hate doctors. <laughs> I'll remember this bitch. You know, as she just flies away. <laughs> I'm convinced that their first doctor was just a real asshole, and that's why they all hate doctors. Well, clearly, I just described who the first doctor was. This bitch. Hey, I just made the official canon lore, okay? We just described it, okay? Rayway and I got it. That, that's, that's all right. It. Bungie, call us up. We're into the new writers. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we'll do better than you, we promise. We'll do better than 343. We can uphold your legacy. <laughs> also, give me the keys of destiny. I swear I won't ruin anything. <laughs> give Rayway the key to, key to destiny. Give me the key to Halo. <laughs> And give right. me free money. <laughs> That's always nice. Oh, I, I like remember. money. <laughs> I like money. <laughs> okay, okay, wait. Before I get super distracted, she starts reseeding, right? Like uh, just yes. like the old ones, precursors, whatever the hell her name is. So she starts reseeding the galaxy. She wants a really is out of the uh, ship and she delicately places the human babies on earth and so on and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, me. Exactly. So what happens next? Okay. So the elites evolve, you know, they become civilized and they become a spacefaring race very, very early on. Like they're already, you know, colonizing other planets, like within their system, like long before, like even before we learned how to put rock and stick together to make spear. Like if, if if that gives you an idea of like how advanced Whoa. they were. Like, okay, okay. So are we talking? Just to put this in numbers, like a million years, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of uh, years. There's a theory that the dinosaur extinction is caused by the halo rays firing. Oh okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm tracking. So, I'm tracking. Okay, so the um, so the elites they evolve and or whatnot they become a spacefaring race very quickly. They are discovering this stuff left by the forerunners. You know, after they're gone, they're just thinking like, "What is this?" It's like this is elegant. This is oh, and the other thing too, I forgot to mention about forerunner technology. It can be hundreds of thousand years. It can be millions of years. If you dig up forerunner technology, it is in pristine condition. It will still work no matter what. Like not even the Necrons can attest to that. With like how, even though they have like the greatest tech, uh, the the best technology in the 40k galaxy, this is nothing compared to Forerunner technology. Yeah, they, I mean they still have knockoff literal. So like living metal, they're still kind of in disrepair, you know. So like okay, so that picture of the Halo and the Ark that I showed you, like all this was built hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of years ago. When you go to these places in game, in you know the original Halo and Halo Two, Halo Three, they are still in pristine condition. Like nothing is wrong with them. That is how good Forerunner technology is. So As the you elite, walk the halls, it just it's fucking Necrons. There's a DI curve, like for some reason, this makes me want to kick a fucking doctor right now. I don't know what it is, man. <laughs> We're really dressed oh. towards doctors today. <laughs> I woke up today and I chose violence towards doctors. <laughs> they promise so, this world, I will take them all out. <laughs> so the elites are, or what we're saying, Healy are, you know, they're seeing all this technology that they're, you know, digging up their, they're finding on like their home, their own home world, their colony worlds or whatnot. And so they begin to view 
whoever built these as gods in their own rights. They begin to venerate, honor the forerunners and, you know, whatever rituals they deem worthy. But they say, this is technology is so great. We are not worthy of this. We should leave this. We should leave this alone and just honor it, you know, build shrines to it or whatnot. So they don't, they, they respect the technology, but they consider it, they consider it heresy to actually use it because they are not worthy. Huh. So thousands upon thousands of years later, they meet a race called the, the Shan Shayum, which are in English terms, the prophets. And uh-huh. let me pull up a picture of them really quick. This is so, kind of giving me like Tao and ethereal vibes. Very so much. funny. So funny. You should mention that Halo combat evolved released in 2001. And I think the Tao was uh, 2006. They were introduced in the 40 K. Mm. And the Tau are a uh, conglomerate of different client races, and their main symbol is basically the marathon symbol from Bungie. So yeah. you see, there's a lot of covenant vibes. They, they evolved the the extremely quickly, you know, discovered great technologies within them. So theories came down, yes. and like an yes. However, race the main that guided forward. Mm-hmm. And of course, they have like a you know a super rigid caste system of you know like this species is better than this species. This species is just like the lowest of the low, that sort of thing. Right. The one difference I would argue is the way the Covenant go about their theocracy, their religion is very on par with the Imperium. Yeah, I was getting those vibes. Heresy, my favorite word. Oh yes. Yeah. So what I just posted is a picture of the prophets from Halo Two. Yeah. But that is Damn. essentially what their species look like. They're very uh, haunting. Not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> now talk yes. about a species that deserves good punting. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're all wheelchair bound. <laughs> well, the old okay, ones well, are. Hey, hey. Remember yeah, I said we're getting hey, everyone clear. this episode. Doesn't matter nationality, doesn't matter disability. We're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we just chose their careers. Oh man! This is the podcast you know, that ends it all. Quick, put them yep. down. This will be what this will be what does exactly. It right will be remembered that Shark and Brody are the ones. Patreon <laughs> is taking down Guys, the I'm Patreon. I'm so going to Twitter with this one. This is not. <laughs> we have all been canceled and hunted down by our governments. <laughs> Oh, they found me. <laughs> oh, no. I can hear them banging on the door now. Well, it's been an honor, gentlemen. <laughs> it was good serving with you. <gasps> okay. Serious things uh, now. Because I was going to uh, go to lunches. <laughs> so, the elites come in contact with the prophets. Here's the thing, though. The prophets, they also discovered forerunner technology where they evolved. They come to love it to the point of they want to reverse engineer and use the Forerunner technology. And they actually come to the elite homeworld with a Forerunner dreadnought. The elites don't like this because that is considered ultra heresy and needs to be stomped out. So in true true Halo fashion, they get into a little tussle. And this goes on for several hundred years. (laughs) several hundred years until the prophets finally have enough and they use that forerunner dreadnought and body the elites 
So they weren't using this in the, the entire war? They weren't using it the entire war until they finally had enough and then just used their ultimate trump card and just body the elites. Because the elites, they're a very advanced uh, spacefaring race in their own right. They have their own weapons. They have their own technology. And it's like, compared to humans at the time frame, that is just like su- superior. But they're going mm-hmm. against forerunner technology, which we established is just, just mwah, chef's kiss. So one thing I'm wondering is... The uh, how did I go? Pretty forget their names. The super- Hello, are they just so superior that they could just play with them for the cup for those couple hundred years until they just decide they were it was enough, or was that like a last resort? Like, we have to uh, kind of more, of, kind of more of a last resort. Like, they, they were tired of the war, they, they went to, it to end. I, I believe the reason they don't use the Dreadnought Ooh. is they also came to the belief that they were gods and didn't want to risk their right. god's relic. Earphones are messing uh-huh. up here. So, uh, yeah, they're just wanting this to end, essentially. So they figured that's the best way to bring about just getting the war over with. And boy, <laughs> they mess up the elites big time. So they finally get the elites realize we are getting we are getting fucked. So let's just come to an agreement and f- just figure out the best way for our species to survive this. Profit leadership, elite leadership, they get together and they realize, you know, profits are very, very good leaders. Elites are very good warriors, military leaders. They come to basically an agreement to venerate the forerunners and they create what's called the writ of union. And that is the founding of the covenant. So it's a very it's a very good holy war in the end. In that it ends. <laughs> well, and that both sides come to a reasonable conclusion. That both it seems like both sides seem to like you know ally and benefit each other. Yeah, so like, it isn't like Dave's yeah. ex infidel. It's or Dave's both infidel. Dave's both infidel. This one's very much like okay, you know what? We both worship the same God. Generally speaking, let's just venerate them and like cooperate. They got together. They decided forerunners are awesome. Doctors fucking suck. Let's be friends. You know, (laughs) there you go. Okay. So uh, I think Brody, you had this, you asked the question before, like what time frame are we talking about here with, with Mm -hmm. the elites and the prophets fighting each other? Mm -hmm. Take, just take a wild guess when the covenant was officially formed, when they signed this treaty, just take like, a while. Like how many years from since the war started or just like how long ago from today did this <sighs> happen? Anybody, anybody I, feel free to answer this. Uh, I don't know. Like hundred years. They were super advanced, but humans were still rocks and stones. 10,000. <laughs> Yeah, I would say 10,000. No, I would say... A million? I would say 5,000. I'm going to say 5,000. Okay, not that far back. Uh, 200. 1,322. 852 BCE. I was so close. That's 10,000 years. Because it goes in negative after BCE. Wait a minute. You cheated me out of my victory. (laughs) Dishonor! (laughs) Execute him! Execute him! <laughs> and his family! 
wanted his dog. I wanted he his tried dog. To assassinate dead. Me. His cat dead. He got so your dick. He tried to assassinate me. <laughs> he tried to you skirt win. my honor. Little did he know he's dishonorable now. <laughs> <laughs> that means I can kill him. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay, Gerald. I'll let this one slide. So, so while we were so while humans are playing Far Cry Primal, these guys are playing Solaris. Yeah. Oh, great. So, like, we're just coming off the. Of, we're basically a few hundred years after the Trojan War was supposed to happen. These guys are already playing Solaris and just like fighting space battles and Star Wars and just exterminatus and everything. Bro, Homer would have had a field day writing about them. Oh yes, so she, she would. Have. This is a sheen. This it, guys. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so after the founding of the Covenant, the over the next few hundred years, they basically formed their mobile capital city called High Charity. Yeah, I've seen this thing. This is fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yep. It is a like basically a, a giant mushroom and the dreadnought that the prophets use to body the elites. That becomes the main power source in the center of the city. Hang on, is that a fucking like asteroid on the surface on top of it? It's it's um, a quarter of their planet. What the yes. fuck? Yeah. Wait, wait. So when you say city, this is a quarter of a planet that I'm staring at. Yes. Like, yes. Is yes. it the city like system like stars, or they literally put this down on the planet somehow? Yeah, because there's a thing about the prophets kind of screwing like screwing up their own planet and their own their own species. So like they because of their own through their own fault they are an endangered species. But that is neither here nor there. Right. And here is a picture of the inside of High Charity with the dreadnought in the center. Inside the mushroom, basically. Oh, it looks just like Destiny. The well, not just like Destiny, but you know the floats in. What am I? What am I talking about? I forget it, the name. You know what it gives me the vibe of Paris. You know. Yeah, I can. Why, I can you, why do you have to say that? Yes. Now, Frenchman. All I see is the Eiffel. <laughs> Oh, I, I gave the French a W. That's unfortunate. Oh, I don't what is think wrong about with French people? <laughs> Ugh. There's another one on the checklist. <laughs> I'm glad you're keeping score, Brody. <laughs> okay, so they built High Charity, and that basically becomes their mobile capital city. And so they venture out into the galaxy searching for more forerunner artifacts, forerunner relics, you know, ways that they can go about venerating the forerunners. And that is how, like, over time they collect and meet up with uh, different races. One of them was called the Hunters. These giant monstrosities right here. They are a sentient sentient worm race that they're... They... (laughs) Their collective or their collective name is called Let Golo, and each and their you know that's what the worms are called. And but they can basically band together into like some gestalt and create these twelve foot tall hulking monstrosities called a Mega Let Golo that you can basically attach like the side of a starship for a shield, and then a freaking fuel rod cannon that acts like a uh, that acts like a uh, Gauss blaster. Oh, that is such horribly like good cosmic horror. You know what I mean? Like alien mm-hmm. worms all combining together. You know, mm-hmm. like, and seeing that on a battlefield. Yep. And so the hunters they were discovered by a ex- excavation team led by an arbiter. We'll delve more into the arbiter in a little bit, but you know they were seen ex- 
eating the Forerunner technology because the hunter, <coughs> the worms that make up the hunter are omnivorous to the extreme. No, 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 no. wild. So, of course, the first thing that the elites and the prophets do is try to exterminate us or basically purge the uh, eaters of their lord's creations. These worms are guilty of heresy. Hmm. Purge! <laughs> Heretics! Heresy. So, they're, not made in the name, they're not made in the shape of their god. <laughs> I was they made had a, They had, <laughs> they had good doctors. <laughs> purge. Oh, ew! Purge it! Purge <laughs> have doctors. So... Anyways, they real they soon realized how well once these worms form together to basically create these monstrosities, these guys can fight pretty darn good. After learning how to communicate, they they essentially basically bring these hunters into the fold. And so that's your next client race. And this happened in, where are my notes? This happened in 784 BCE. So about you know, just, uh, you know, a few decades after, like, the Covenant first forms. All right. So now the next client. You know, race... one thing One thing I like about the Covenant's culture, I don't mean to cut in, but um, enjoy the fact they can meet me and be like, hey, I would actually like to learn how to talk with you because you could be valuable. And it would be more, like, it would be more valuable to both of us if we just got along for a second and, like, move forward. Mm-hmm. And that actually creates an interesting point whenever we get to the humans. For our purposes, we're just going to kind of gloss over it. So, the Hunters. It is it is a time called the Taming of the Hunters. Make of that what you will. <laughs> Next client race happens in... We're going to breeze through the rest of these fairly quickly. In 1112 CE. So, like, we're just coming off of our Crusades, and, like, the Covenants already had their fourth, you know, their fourth client race. And these <laughs> are the drones. So sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what they look like. They fly, they're insectoid, and they are the worst damn thing you will ever fight in any fucking Halo game. Yeah, I never fought these things. <laughs> I, I spare you the mercy. <sighs> it's a mm. praying mantis, basically. Praying mantis meets, like, a moth meets just... A hornet? A cicada. A hornet. Oh. Anyways, breezing over these guys... Really quick. So just another race. They're very good at flying, especially in zero gravity environments. You know, they're very good. They're very good engineers. Next one are is a very interesting case. And these this race in 1342, they meet what they what we call the jackals. And they're a bird like race that actually they were also a very competent spacefaring race. And they did most of their living based off of uh Piracy. So these are your first space pirates. Like, are these guys called the same way as the as the as the elites as the Sangheili? Uh, they're built with. No, wait, wait. This is the the reject child of Sangheili mothers. This is the thing I was talking about here, guys. (laughs) This is what they look like. We found them. These are doctors. (laughs) These are great value crew. Is what they are. Great value crew. That is a very good way to put it. Hold on, let me find a uh, skirmisher, and that is. Because they're actually different variants of a jackal, and one of them is called a skirmisher, which is a uh, the best way to describe it, an angry murder bird. Ah, here we go. So are these the um, are these the mama one crew we have crewed at home? Yes, 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 very much so. So yeah, mama, I, I, I want a crew model, but we have crewed at home. 
the crude at home. Oh my god, <laughs> that was disgusting. Jesus, Jesus Christ, he's very feathery. Yes, they're like all on meth. I like, <laughs> you know, I do. Yes, it is a meth album. I also like the Utah Raptor feel. Yeah, that's getting that. That's but, kind like, of the, the overall vibe and of everything. The like, you like added a tail on them, they'd literally just be raptors. I mean that that's basically the look that the developers were trying to go with when they did the jackals. Is like you have your reptile race, which is the elites. You have whatever the hell the prophets are. You have the hunters, which are worms. You got the drones, which are insects, and now you have your basically your bird race, which are the jackals or the skirmishers. <laughs> that is them, and they have an interesting position where. Oh, and I, for, I forgot to mention too, like when the covenant formed, you were basically, once you joined the covenant, one, you cannot leave. Two, you were to follow our our religious doctrine and our veneration of the forerunners. Otherwise, you get accused of, say it with me now, heresy. Heresy. Exactly. <laughs> AKA being a doctor. <laughs> so with the jackals, because they were so good at... They they were very good mercenaries. They were very good pirates and mm-hmm. trade. They were kind of sort of given a carte blanche in that you know you can join the you can join the covenant. You can join the great journey, uh, if you will, um, which most of them do. But they're they were at one. They're basically they were the only race to be given the option the option of joining either wholesale or just continue being pirates. Which so they're privateers. Which, sorry, yeah, privateers, legal distinction and all. And then in twenty one so from thirteen forty two to twenty one forty two, they come across the grunts, which is a five foot tall of humanoid help me out, Shark. Hurdles. <laughs> yeah. And you might recognize these, Ray, as I brought them up during our Skaven episode because they have the very high-pitched voices and whatnot. They basically look like turtles with uh, shark tanks for, or um, shark fins. I was for, just for about to ask. We were just missing fish people. You know what I mean? Boom. Right here. They're beautiful. <laughs> Diversity. Like, Diversity. Like, would it be bad if I said I want one as a pet? <laughs> no, it's not because I have that same instinct. Oh, let's see, hold on. Let me Halo three. Runs. I love the high pitched voices, though. Like I have heard that. It's like no, no. <laughs> it's a Spartan run. <laughs> okay, so that that's the cute version of the grunts. Here is uh, the grunts that you fight in Halo three. Retro. I was still adopted. I still want it. <laughs> I still want it. They're still I'm hilarious. Reggie. Oh. So the grunts, they're like five feet tall. That just looks stocky. like a toddler who needs a shower. Yeah, they're they're like five feet tall, stocky, just cowardly, you know, weak, weak willed, and just so they they get in, indoctrinated into basically a, a slave race, essentially, like heavy manual labor. Just like they do all the dirty work for the covenant, clean the starships, and and oh, and these guys breed like rabbits. Because they live, they too oh. live on a death world, and so the only way for the species to live on is to, uh, bam, you know. I mean, think of um, what are they called? The, they're one of the races from the Mass Effect things. They're called the Krogan, but yeah, they have like the they're the Krogan, but like... without all the badassery and uh, and redundant uh, organs. Very quick, the grunts and the jackals hate each other. 
big time because they are like of the of the covenant races thus far they are like the lower tier they're both the lower tier they're just they have to do what uh, the elites and the prophets say and they just get stepped on by uh hunters if they say the wrong thing so um and since they're the only two people who can contend with each other they take it out on them like each other and so the jackals and the grunts get into like a a tiff because the jackals poison their food supply and make them infertile kind of like the gene the krogan <laughs> genophage from uh, mass effect that's sad so this pisses off the grunts asshole move i know so this pisses off the grunts and they actually form the grunt rebellion where they take part in you know you know a lot of basically guerrilla warfare all over high charity of all places and, you know, a lot of people die, but of course the Covenant, you know, they're just a huge, massive conglomerate. They're basically like the Empire from Star Wars. They are just so vast. You just cannot hope to take them down by yourself. Mm-hmm. So poor grunts. However, there was also an Arbiter involved during this Grunt Rebellion. Or actually, an Arbiter was appointed for the purpose of putting down this Grunt Rebellion. The Arbiter at this at this time frame realized you guys actually fight pretty well. How about you join us as, you know, as obviously, you know, lower tier as, as some of our warriors. So that was kind of, they didn't really have much of another choice because the other option was that the covenant were going to glass their home world, which basically in Halo terms, glassing is another form of exterminatus. Mm. You have your covenant starships that have super advanced plasma weaponry circle around a planet and just they have in the center of each ship is basically what amounts to a giant plasma cannon. And then they just let loose continuously for <laughs> hours until the entire surface is just obliterated and literally burned and burned to glass. And so mm-hmm. what the covenant would do is for every world that they burn or that they have to glass, they will send a team down, take a shard of that glass and then they'll hang it up in a uh, kind of like a trophy room almost where uh, you actually go there. You actually go there as part of a, a level from Halo 2 and you just see there are thousands of these shards hanging from the ceiling. So that gives oh you an God. idea of how terrifying the Covenant are and how they do not mess around if they decide your planet is worthy of being glassed. Right. Fuck so there is- Welcome Period. to the uh, war crime section of the museum. <laughs> if you'll so see you right you, halo's halo's pretty grim when you kind of entry to the collection what oh sorry my connection is going haywire oh i'll oh, try again okay try again okay sorry but i just found i found it interesting the uh the that the sangili will go in and for the grunts and offer them like a way out Almost like, you know, a shogun and his samurai army getting sent by the emperor. Uh, and, you know, make the covenant out the That's rebellion. You know, I just I found know that. that pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. that. And then the last client race that we're going to briefly touch up on are the Brutes. In <laughs> 2492. So, in, so as far as Halo, in, in Halo terms, the war between the covenant and the humans starts in 2525. And the main games take place in the year 2552. So the Covenant meet up with the Brutes. And that's what these guys look like. Just a couple, just a few decades before war with the humans broke out. 
So a brute for our dear listeners is think of a gorilla rhinoceros hybrid that's about nine to ten feet tall and about three times as wide, and they wield that's gravity hammers. Damn, these boys. That's chomp. pretty cool. That's they, really cool. They use the power of monkey and chonk. <laughs> do they have jetpacks or some shit? Uh, some do have jetpacks, oh but yeah, they just God. keep charging. They they just they go at you and keep charging with nothing but the power of monkey. So hang on, wow. so you got a gorilla on a jetpack holding a sledgehammer. Okay, there so, is also okay, a so, reason um, that humans call them to bring. Birds. Go ahead. Sorry, I said I said there's a reason that humans call them brutes. Oh yeah, they are a very just brutal tribal like... race. We can we'll discuss them in in whole in like yeah. another episode, but oh, basically. Okay. Because of how freakishly brutal they are, pun intended, <laughs> the prophets take a liking to to this race. The elites notice that. And so brutes are soon given a lot of certain privileges that a lot of the other clan races don't. And for this for a lot of reasons, the elites and the brutes just hate each other. So they're basically all like in competition for who's gonna actually lead the covenant military and uh you know who who's the better leader of the covenant's armies essentially interesting yes now in the year 2525 oh sorry remember how i was telling you there are these different arbiters that are appointed to these very pivotal points in covenant history yeah there is a reason for that and we're going to discuss that right we're going to discuss that right now and what i call the disgrace of the arbiter so in elite society, an arbiter was basically like your leader, like your appointed leader. This is who we follow, kind of like a, uh, kind of like in Pirates of the Caribbean, where they elect a pirate king to lead them, and during like a trying time or whatnot. This is what the arbiter is, and mm. so the arbiter is originally like, if you're given the title of arbiter, you are the best of the best. You have the highest honor. You are what every single St. Haley or elite, you know, wants to be. Around 2100, 2152, according to Halo Legends, there is a elite called Fel Fel F E L Chavami. He is an he was the appointed arbiter of the elites at this time frame, and he does something that you don't do in a theocracy. He does not believe in the divine right of the forerunners. He does not believe in their divinity. That it is essentially like basically think of like your space marine chapter masters saying, saying to the ecclesiarch, mind you, I do not believe the emperor of mankind is a god. You uh-huh. don't do that. You right. just don't do that. You're fucked. The journey is alive. And here is a picture of him. One that I could find that actually was relatively clear. This is him. So you can kind of see that uh, Bushido pseudo Japanese samurai look about him. Ooh, literally wearing a kimono. Totally. Yes. <laughs> so that is him. Of course, the prophet that he tells us to, like, so in their veneration of the Forerunners, the Covenant believe in something called the Great Journey. They know of the Halo array. They don't know exactly what it does, but they do, but they believe that the forerunners use this to become gods. If we find this halo array and activate it, we can become gods too. So that is the, the, the whole basis of their belief. Ouch. Yes. So this elite fall, fell, fall, whatever you want to call them, does not believe in this. 
basically through a bunch of complicated measures, the prophet basically has has him killed by his own people, by his own his own people, his own rival, nonetheless. And so what this what the prophets do in this case is take that title of arbiter and look go to the rest of the covenant and be like, look at this. Look at what your vaunted champion has done. This is a disgrace. From now on, anyone who takes this title is shameful upon your people and upon the covenant as a whole. Anyone who has disgraced themselves so low, they are going to be given the option to become an arbiter and try and regain that honor through the most suicidal missions possible. Now we go to the humans. In the year 2525, there is a human colony called Harvest. And that is where the covenant first meet with the humans. And it goes, you know, about like you would expect. Uh, They first try the, you know, the covenant do like what we talked about before. They try to treat with the humans and, you know, kind of figure out what they want. But through one reason or another, essentially a a trigger happy grunt gets overly excited or overly paranoid, shoots a human. And then that's how this whole, that's how this whole mess got started. Oh, that mm-hmm. sucks! Oh, that sucks! Imagine what being like, imagine being the covenant leader that hears about this in the report, and he's like, "Damn it, Jimmy!" Like, and so for the next like eternity, they're just enemies because of Jimmy. Well, here's the funny thing, though: the covenant, the covenant species that first that first treats of humans were grunts and brutes. Oh, so let that sink in. They were the first species to actually treat. Are they with, really the with diplomats? Humans. They they actually tried to be diplomatic. Are they really it. the proper diplomats to send in? Yeah. Well, the, the well, this is from the book Contact Harvest, but the brutes in question uh, actually was moderately reasonable, or tries to be. He hate, of course, he hates the elites. He's very, you know, very tribal or whatnot. But he is willing to follow, you know, the covenant's mandates or whatnot and try to treat with the humans as they've done with every other clan race that they've met. Cool. But here's the issue: the fighting breaks out. You would think, you know, leadership would be upset that you know fighting fighting is broken out. But the prophets end up activating at around this time a a long buried AI in their dreadnought uh at the center of high charity that looks suspiciously like the eiffel tower thanks a lot for that image shark (laughs) and the ai activates and basically makes a proclamation of these are not this is not reclamation this is reclaimer these humans are our 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 inheritor and there there are three prophets that hear this they freak the fuck out because they realize our entire religion is built on a lie And so these three prophets lie, bribe, and blackmail their way to the top of the leadership to the position of hierarch, which is basically, you know, covenant have this huge hierarchy. There are three prophets that basically lead the entire covenant as spiritual leaders, military leaders. They make all the final decisions. These three prophets that were there to hear that, they basically weasel their way into leadership because prophets as a species are very known to do. And instead of accepting the humans into the covenant, they want them exterminated because they want to hide every trace of the fact that humans are the ones to actually, quote unquote, inherit what the forerunners have left behind. Because then that means their whole power base is 
crumbling from underneath them. Their whole religion is a lie. It's a sham. Just they don't want that, obviously. Well, all their leverage over every other alien race in the Alliance, too, is gone. Because all of a sudden, the humans, by their own rules, are... Yeah, they immediately become, like, middle tier, and humanity, like, takes over. Mm-hmm. So to hold on to yeah. their own power to keep their covenant empire from crumbling, the prophets issue, decree the humans to be an affront to their gods, to their forerunners, and need to be exterminated and wiped from the galaxy. So, God, that's you know. interesting. Mm-hmm. Is so? Is there anything besides the preachers said so, like in terms of propaganda and how they sold that to the entire covenant? The because I mean, granted, this is like this is like three thousand years of like prophet and elite rule. That you know, it's it's kind of like the it's kind of like the ten thousand years between the Horus Heresy and Forty K is just. Mm-hmm. Everything is time. So much time has passed. So much indoctrination has happened. It's just like you just you buy into it. You buy into it. You don't know anything else. And because right. the three prophets, uh, whose names are Truth, Mercy, and Regret, <laughs> huh. if you know anything about the characters, is completely ironic. But anyways, so for these three prophets, they're the only ones that actually know about the true purpose of human humanity and the forerunners. And they try their hardest to make sure no one else knows that. And they do a pretty damn good job of it. Interesting. Okay. So now we are now with this is the human covenant war. This goes on for basically 30, almost 30 years. And it starts in 2525. The whole the trill the main the main trilogy takes place in the year 2552. Humanity is on a just it's a constant losing stalemate where you know they have the humans are very tenacious and overall it'll it's mentioned in the lore a few times that they actually have the better ground fighters if you can believe that they have better overall leadership better ground fighters they're a lot more coordinated but here's the problem though any kind of naval or void engagements any kind of tech anything involving technology or plasma weaponry the covenant will trounce them every single time the humans just cannot compete so it's just it's just one it's just it's kind of like fighting the tyranids in 40k you can fight them off you can bust up a you can bust up a uh, high fleet you can bust up one of those hive ten, tendrils but the but the tyranids are just going to keep on coming and keep on coming and that's mm-hmm. exactly how the covenant are to the humans interesting just before the main trilogy is halo reach now Halo Reach, I have I have heard, is very much akin to kind of like the Horus Heresy. It's like the Horus Heresy of Halo, in that when the first game came, when the first couple of games came out, a lot is mentioned of like of like the Fall of Reach. You know, Ray, I think you said you had the book, The Fall of Reach. That was a very, very important, very pivotal moment in Halo history because other than Earth, Reach is the most fortified strongest military complex and colony known uh, you know known to humanity is it like cadia like equivalency yeah think yeah if you want to if you want to think of it like that think of it like cadia like reach is like reach is basically the uh, halo equivalent of cadia it is the most important planet if that falls humanity is fucked okay and okay. guess what happens reach the fall, fall of reach happens <laughs> I've been reading the fall still of Reach, stands, Gerald, unlike you. What's that? Like the Katie. Freaking love those. Katie still stands, Joey, unlike you. 
<laughs> so the covenant inevitably discover reach they invade and they keep on going and basically they keep going until the entire planet is glassed just like so many countless other human planets that have that the covenant have destroyed and and back to like what shark and i were talking about halo reach is probably one of my favorite is my favorite of the bungee games yeah. because of how terrifying they make the covenant like when you get the halo 2 and halo 3 like you know the covenant are great the grunts are funny the elites you know they start to speak you know they speak english or whatnot and and everything but in halo reach they go back to they want the covenant to be terrifying and just show why reach fell and that is of course leading this assault is the elites and specifically let me pull him up supreme commander fell T-H-E-L, Vatami. This is his Halo 5 because I couldn't find a good I couldn't find a good one, but yes, this is the Thel Vatami who would also become, quote-unquote, the Arbiter. How does he do that? The drip is immaculate. (laughs) Oh, he's got got awesome drip. And in his his first appearance in Halo 2, he's just a golden-armored zealot that you've seen me post uh, earlier. But basically, after the fall of Reach, one ship, one human ship escapes called the Pillar of Autumn, and they come across one of the, and they actually come across one of the Halo rings, which there's, you know, reasons why they discovered the Halo, but we're not going to get into that. Um, so, Fel Vatami was, was the supreme commander of the fleet, of the Covenant fleet that essentially just obliterated Reach. He sees his human ship escape, he follows into this Halo ring. Holy crap, this is the ring of our forefathers. This is the this is this is the holy ring right here. So he is doing everything in his power to make sure A, the humans don't land on it, on on the Halo ring. Humans land on the Halo ring. So now he's trying to get rid of all the humans off the Halo ring or whatnot. After, you know, in game after you fight, you know, a bunch of his soldiers or whatnot, you actually don't meet this character in Halo 1. He does not appear, but uh, you fight his soldiers and whatnot, and you find out. And you find out what we talked about earlier with the Forerunners. Halo was built to destroy all life in the galaxy to starve out the Flood. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the Forerunners are left one to study the Flood, so they locked, so they actually stored some Flood samples into labs on you know several of the Halo rings. The Covenant find this; they don't realize you're not supposed. They don't. They don't understand the biohazard sign, and they do not open. So what do they do? They open it. They release the flood. Yay. So so they see the big red letters and they're like, this can't stop me because I read. Because I'm not a doctor. I can't read. <laughs> God, God didn't RPG. want me to see it, so it must be good. <laughs> I played this RPG before. That means there's loot inside. Loot. Big sword. Big sword. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so, it's a, maybe it's an, a monster item. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I okay, a monster. God, for for the immense knowledge that these ancient races had, why keep the vial of the thing you're trying to completely wipe out from the galaxy? Like, ah, I, you know, for the you know for they ah. had the, they had the right idea in mind. It was you know you want to study something like this so that way in the very unlikely event it happens again, you'll know how to deal with it. But the problem is when Halo, you'll, you'll have some kind of antivirus. But because most of the forerunners died, 
you know, when the Halo Array was activated, there there was the hope that, okay, maybe whoever replaces us as the next, you know, dominant species can learn something from this. Too bad the so, first dominant too bad the first dominant species that comes across it was the fucking covenant. So mm. the four dog screwed over the galaxy again. You see, guys, this entire episode is just proving my doctors suck. I think we found it out. We found out the secret. This is the lesson of Halo. <laughs> see, I'm oh. still wondering, like, hang on, do all all Halos have flood spores on them, or was it just this yes. one? Because, like, okay. Oh, no, all of them. All of them do. Okay, Every Halo. Was... Okay, yeah, all of them have labs was... dedicated to the study of, you know, whatever flood bioform you know, was active in the gal- in that part of the galaxy at that time. Interesting. Okay. So when the Covenant find these rings, they break open the flood and it the shit hits the fan. And the shit the shit has definitely hit the fan. The galactic fan. Yes. So once of course, you know, your plan is the Master Chief, once you discover this, you gotta contain the flood as much as possible. But then mm-hmm. so then they originally they originally thought that the Halo ring would wipe out the flood. No, it doesn't. Then, then that's where you find that's where you find the plot twist. No, it doesn't wipe out the flood. It wipes out their food because that's the only thing you can do is starve them out. So kind of like so. Sucks. Yep. So kind of like a inquisitor, a certain inquisitor equipment <laughs> trying to starve out a Tyranid high fleet, but just going completely going about it the wrong way. Right. Anyways, so then the whole point of the rest of that game is you're trying to figure out a way to destroy Halo. And I'm not going to spoil the awesomeness that are those final those final uh, levels, but uh, basically it, it is epic. You destroy Halo, and so our character that will become the Arbiter sees this, and he is just like, "Fuck, what do I do?" <laughs> so he hangs his head in shame. He realizes what he's done and so he tra- he goes to make a formal apology to the prophets and the high and the covenant high council and uh because you know because he just failed so hard at this he is stripped of his title he is branded with something called the mark of shame and then the uh he is originally ordered to be executed with him and and i quote hung by your entrails and your corpse paraded throughout the city Okay, but Arthur Prophets had a better idea. Better than hanging by the entrails? They appoint him arbiter to serve as their extension, to serve as their will, and to continue to help serve in the covenant in whatever way possible. Because at that same time that Halo was destroyed, there was a forerunner structure on the gas giants. So if you go back to the Halo picture I showed you, there's a a gas giant that it's orbiting. There is a forerunner gas mine there that uh, they had sent a, that like as you know, Halo one was going on, they sent an exped- uh, expeditionary team over there led by one elite called, let me pull up his name, Sessa Refumi. And everything's going on. He's exploring this gas mine and he meets up with a certain 343 guilty spark. That's that spark character that you were talking about earlier, Ray. He is what's called a monitor of the halo ring. So with there are seven halo rings and then there is a floating orb AI called a monitor each. And then each ring has an assigned monitor, you know, to basically help maintain kind of like the, you know, just like your basic engineer maintenance, maintenance kind of character. This particular elite Sessa 
meets Guilty Spark, who, which is the name of this monitor, and he just unloads all this information about Halo and what it's about. Sessa realizes, shit, we've been lied to this entire time. So he makes it his mission to try and spread the you know, try and spread this word to the other, to as many of the client races of the covenant as possible. And, uh, basically try and pull the wool from their eyes, essentially. So the prophets notice this. So what do they, what do you think they do? Just well, guess anybody. That is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, um, they retire him with benefits. <laughs> they don't just revoke his benefits. They label him a heretic. And so, this new arbiter, Thelvadam, Thelvadami, or now he is now called the Arbiter. His first mission is to quell this heresy, and that leads into Halo Two, where guess what? You get to play as an elite now. Oh, very cool! That's mm-hmm. a cool perspective change. Oh yeah. So, Cesarephemy, heretic. It is Disgusting. the Arbiter's job to, yes, it is the Arbiter's job to quell and purge this heretic. During the Arbiter's missions in Halo 2, you get to play as an elite. And that is where the fan favorites, that's where, if you've heard a bunch of complaints about Halo Infinite or basically any of the 343 games, one of the biggest complaints you'll find is you do not get to play as an elite in either of those games for multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's one of, one of the complaints I have about it. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. You go, you raid the gas mine, you kill, you know, you kill the heretics and uh, you get into a quote unquote boss battle with Sessa Refemi. Um, he says just enough information to kind of make the Arbiter question, like, what's going on to make you turn traitor this bad compared to what we believe in? And anyways... Further along in the game, because again, the elites are, you know, one of the original founding covenant members and the hierarchs, the three leading prophets, they have their own bodyguard system. So, you know how like the God Emperor has the Adeptus Custodes, our boys in gold, the golden band. Yes. So (laughs) the, the prophet hierarchs have the elite honor guard and they're basically think the red armored elites, but with like huge ornate orange glowing just I don't know how else to, des- to describe it. Uh beats on her guard. It's like they they watched Cyberpunk once and they were like, yes. That is exactly how it is. And here is a picture of from of one from the original Halo 2. That's an elite honor guard. Oh god, yeah. They so got up off the couch like watching a cyberpunk movie and they were like, dude, that's sick. Like make <laughs> yeah. that, make that now. <laughs> And apart from the apart from the zealots and the arbiter, these are some of the deadliest elites you fight in game. And they have an ultra they have an ultra version. Huh? Huh? (laughs) What? Yes. So all that but with white armor and the overshields. Yes. These the personal bodyguards of the of the prophet hierarchs. These are basically your custodies equivalent for the covenant. Oh yeah, that's hot right there. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's the issue though. Partway through the game, and when you because in Halo 2 you swap back and forth between playing as Master Chief and playing as the Arbiter. In one of the Master Chiefs levels, you actually get to infiltrate and kill one of the three prophet hierarchs. Oh sweet. Mm-hmm. 
A lot of pent-up frustration from 30 years of war and genocide. We'll do that to you. I can imagine that. So Master Chief, obviously, because you're the player, you become successful in this job. But then on the Arbiter side of things, this is a huge blow, not just to Covenant leadership, but to the elites, because their honor code, they are supposed to be the protectors of the hierarchs, and they failed. One of them is killed by a human. Right, a, right. Super sol- a super soldier human, but by a human nonetheless. Mm-hmm. The prophets used this opportunity to finally stick it to the elites after thousands of years of just just pure, like, teeth-clenched teamwork. Like, even though they formed, they were the founding members of the covenant, they still really hated each other behind, you know, you know, in private or whatnot. So yeah. the prophets use this as a means to get the brutes to replace the elites as the covenant's new military leadership. No. Oh, that's such a huge blow. Mm-hmm. Holy and, crap. Mm-hmm. So at first it's just, you see elite honor guards taking off their helmets and then giving it to brutes who then of course just fight each other over it because brutes are essentially think rhinoceros monkey hybrids, but also orcs. Yeah. They're like, Hey, I like that helmet. Give me that. You know, and they just start playing. There there is a cutscene exact. That is exactly how you describe that. (laughs) I kid you not. Wow. I am a brute. The brute is me. Now, when you switch back over to the arbiter, Prophets learn that to activate this halo ring, you need a key or an activation key, which, you know, that this is, it's some, this is something you learn from the first halo. So the Arbiter's mm-hmm. next mission is to find this key to activate halo. Then you find out that during your, at the end of your mission, the Prophets secretly gave the Brutes an order to exterminate <coughs> the elites. A bloody fate awaits you and the rest of your incompetent race. Oh, oh. that... That's a risky move. Like, mm-hmm. even with how much influence they have, do you realize how destabilizing that would be the second word gets out about that? So like, I mean, that the do not care at this point. The it's, yeah, it's, it's right. really an civil war. That's what it's... It's you literally killing one of the founding... It would be equivalent to, like, I don't know, one of the U.S. states going to war with, one with like, one out of the 50 and being like, yeah, and we're just going to, like, wipe this one out. It, well, like, it, be, it, 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 go ahead. It'd be the equivalent of the ecclesiarchy in Warhammer going Mechanicus heresy. <laughs> it also kind of reminds me like the, the the brutes and the elites are, I imagine, like two of the main military forces of the covenant, and, and so forcing turn on through lies feud is almost like a dictator going maniacal and starting to go insane. You know what I mean? Like how they used to go like in the USSR, where they start like having their own council assassinate each other. And they think that oh. the other guy doesn't know. I mean, it sure seems like given the fact that, that they have like shit. really like pretentious names like truth and was it regret and mercy? Truth, yes. right. mercy, and regret. And in Halo 2, Master Chief kills regret. Again, irony. I was just about that's quite fitting. Um, Wait, isn't um, is mercy the one that like dies and like doesn't get mercy? Like everyone just like walks away from him as he dying? Yeah. Yep, okay, because yeah, what happens is uh, the because what happens is the Covenant on the second Halo that is discovered in Halo 2 do the same thing they did before, unleash the Flood unwillingly, and then enough Flood enough flood, basically infect the human ships that are there, gather enough biomass and memory and skill, and, our, and the Covenant, not knowing this, slip spaces, high charity, 
their holy mm. city, their capital, to the site of what what becomes Delta Halo. This is the Halo that you visit in Halo Two. They they slip space to Delta Halo. Now the flood that controlled this human ship managed to get onto High Charity as all this is happening, and so uh, the ship crash land. The ship crashes and flood spores are released. One of them attacks the Prophet of Mercy. And he just, it's a very slow, painful death. But Truth finally sees this as, okay, it's my turn to rule by myself. So he orders his brute honor guard to leave Mercy be and just walk off. Oh my God. As Mercy is just like, a flood spore is just like gnawing and just ripping at his neck. Because they have like that disgusting gooseneck look about them anyways. So yeah. To answer Gosh. that question, that is that is mercy that is killed without mercy. So one thing I want to ask, though, the prophets, are they naturally like unstable and almost like, like how Skaven just have a nasty personality? Or yes. are they actually kind of losing their minds? Um, a little bit of both. The... The designation for the prophets is Perfidia Vermis, which translates to Worms of Treachery. It is in their oh. biological nature to just be backstabby, just like the Skaven. Oh, <laughs> they're they're just like the uh, Confederation from Star Wars. Who are those worm guys? Um, I can't remember. Oh, um, Genosians. No, not Genosians. It's the uh, it's the guys who talk with uh, Darth Maul and Palpatine through the hologram, and they're like, oh, the, the Jedi's are here. Moyans. Yeah. They're, they're known. They're just known to be scummy. Birth and they lie and they backstab their brothers, and they're just all around douchebags. But they're smart and they know how to get into banks and everything, so they gain power. Yes, but the but what in the prophets' case is they have really good religious leadership and are very charismatic. Yeah. So all of this is going on. Uh, flood of invaded high charity. The great schism has broken out, which is basic, which is, you know, the elites fighting the brutes. The elites are breaking off from the covenant because of what the prophets have done. And so in this, and in in of course, uh, oh, and also in Halo 2, the covenant have discovered, I forgot to mention that before. Right, right, Reggie. Yeah, the covenant have discovered. Glass ready. So humanity is just like in, uh, if anyone has seen, if anyone has played Gears of War, it is just like you are on your last handhold. Like you have no other options left. In a sense, the elites leaving the Covenant becomes a godsend because Arbiter realizes what's going on. He finally learns the truth about what Halo is and what it does, and then it, he's he's piecing it all together too. Because that question that you asked before about why didn't the Covenant approach the humans like diplomats? is uh is the elites during this 30 year long war mostly like the elite leadership they're thinking these humans can fight why have we not accepted them into the into the covenant yet and right you know because they're just being and because we know they're being denounced we're being denounced as abominations because of what the prophets have found out but a lot of the elites are like these guys can fight why aren't we there why why don't we just make them surrender and make them our friends why are we exterminating them Right. So they're honorable was, warriors. Why are we wasting munitions when they could be joining us and we can move on? And and this was a sentiment that a lot of the elites as a whole kind of felt. Uh, granted, of course, you know, you'll find out like after Halo 3 or whatnot, that, like there's still plenty of elites that hate humans 
And, uh, you know, there was a question like the elite heretic that you fight earlier in Halo 2, like, would he have allied with the humans if he had been given the choice? We don't we don't really know, but that there's just just enough doubt. So the Arbiter uses this opportunity to basically ally with the humans and help fight off the brutes and prevent the and prevent them from activating, you know, from activating Halo. And then, you know, a whole bunch of shenanigans later, we get to Halo 3. You know, the elites are officially, most of the elites are officially our allies. They help us fight the Covenant. Arbiter is a badass because he's the Arbiter. And you fight off the Covenant, you fight off the Flood. And in Halo 3, there's kind of like, kind of like a deus ex machina moment. They realize uh, the Halo that you destroyed in Halo 1, it's being rebuilt by the Ark. But... It's being rebuilt with the modification of it can actually be selectively attacking the flood and not other life in the galaxy. Oh, so what the so what the master chief and the arbiter realize is activate this halo because remember when I said that the flood have overtaken high charity, Mm -hmm. they consumed all the all the souls there. Now they've gained all the knowledge of how to operate high charity. They make their way into the onto the arc. So, the so chief, High Charity okay. is like a three-way war, basically, between the Brutes, the Elites, and the, the Flood, is what I'm yes. imagining? Yep. Yes, oh, my God. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's oh, it. Blinds of the Sun. Blinds so, of the Sun. <laughs> so, in, in Halo 3, uh, Arbiter and the Chief activate this new Halo, wipe out the Flood, the Covenant are dealt with. And like you, you beat the covenant. Like you officially beat the covenant, like halfway through the game, where you're invading what's called the Citadel, which is like the command center for the entire Halo array. the The last prophet left Truth. He is taking, uh, he has taken a couple of humans captive because humans, as designated as uh, reclaimers by the Forerunners, the only they can actually use Forerunner technology properly. And so that's Truth, crazy. Mm-hmm. So Truth ha- has two humans captive, and he's trying to get them Time. to activate the Halo. Only array. humans can use it to its full potential. Wow. Only humans can use Forerunner technology to its full potential. So you're fighting through the Citadel, and you get there, and a badass line by the Arbiter. You know, Truth is just—he's just—he's lost his damn mind by this point. He's just like, you know, sc- uh, screaming. You know, I'm the voice of the Covenant, and. We're here to ascend to Godhood. All the rest of you will be left behind. He's like, I am truth. I speak in the voice of the covenant. Arbiter grabs him by the neck, squeezes and goes, and so you must be silenced. Takes his energy sword, just rams it through his back. So cool. Such a sad Also, I love the irony that truth was lying the entire time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the game is basically you fighting fighting off the flood. Activating the halo, that halo get that halo gets destroyed. A big part of the arc gets damaged, and the flood is taken care of. So there is a there. You're given one ship that uh, Master Chief and the Arbiter board when they're trying to escape because you know there's a big escape sequence or whatnot. The halo that fires it's not complete, so all the energy that goes into firing the halo ray is still too powerful for the incomplete ring to form. So it's like trying to it's like trying to fire off the second Death Star, but it's not stable enough to to be used at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, you know, big escape sequence or whatnot. They escape onto a human ship and it's jumping through a slip space portal or you know the warp tear equivalent or whatnot, and the ship gets cut in half. 
Arbiter is on the front half, and that portal leads back to Earth where he cr- he crash lands. But then Master Chief's half of the ship is just floating out in space. So now it's suck. Oh yeah. So That'd then there's a you know, commemoration ceremony for like you know the war is finally over after thirty some odd years. Human and elites, they've they've had their they've had their issues, but you know this is hopefully a chance to try to make amends or start off or go down a better path. And then, and that is basically the Halo trilogy. You know, they all go off, do their own separate things. You know, the elite still have brutes to fight, you know, you know, the rest of the covenants to kind of fend off, but for the most part, the covenant is fractured. And when you get to halos four five and infinite, they're, they're different. I get to put it in 40 K terms, war bands that you can, you know, that you fight in infinite and halo wars mm-hmm. two. There is a faction called the Banished, but we're not going to get into that at this point. So there's just there's different little basically the Covenant splinters, and there's still a good handful of elites that you know just what for whatever reason hate the humans. So they will still go to war with the humans, but on the whole, Arbiter the, the Arbiter becomes more like the spokesperson for his people, and he is doing his best to try and unify his species and the humans to, you know, lead towards a better, a better future. And overall, that is pretty much the main, as far as the main Halo trilogy, that is the story of the elites. That's pretty badass. That's really fucking awesome. Honestly, you understand why I sent for the elites now. (laughs) (laughs) He's the the man that always reading. If I'm reading this lore, dude, Spartans and elites are probably going to be my, my main thing. I can already send Spartans are kind of right up my alley. (laughs) <laughs> oh spartans are awesome don't get don't get me wrong and there actually was an attempt to make a halo tabletop game with some minis in mind of elites and spartans and uh other covenant races did it not launch well i was i was wondering that it, it did not no it yeah would. it it did not uh-huh. launch well. it, it had one box set the miniatures were metal and i think they were an eight millimeter scale that would have been cool I was thinking my wallet could, you know, cry out for help in another manner. <laughs> yeah, back to the 40k plastic, it is. <laughs> back to the crippling it debt. Is. <laughs> I guess I'll just buy an Xbox. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and play the Halo trilogy. Excellent. Or poor me. Or quadrilogy. <laughs> if you're a fucking actual G. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If I'm a real and fan, the, real, and the, if you actually bench 405, you play all four. Oh, yeah. well, and the and the cool thing is, like, back in 2014, they released the Master Chief Collection, which was a remaster of Halo 1, a remaster of Halo 2, Halo 3, and Halo 4. Over Very the, sick. Yeah, and over the years, they actually got to where you could, I think, purchase Halo 3 ODST, which doesn't involve Master Chief or... Uh, or whatnot, but you can get that, and you can all. And Halo Reach now comes with it too. Ooh, that's cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, any other questions? Because this has been a very long episode. <laughs> oh yeah, we got derailed at a few we points. Through... Okay, it was fun. Yes, thank you, thank you. I know I did. I did very well with the derailings. <laughs> As guests, as guests do, but we love it. This is what makes this is what makes Grimlore a lot of fun. Is just all the little derailing we get into from time to time. This was honestly, I, as questions go, you laid out everything really well. 
my only question is like when the next when's the next halo halo episode and am i allowed back on <laughs> um yes and yes <laughs> wonderful we'll get, to when we get to it. made it we'll get to it when we get to it in the words of ray so course, before and before we do end off, we would like I would also I would like to send a huge thank you to Shark and Brody here for joining us on this lovely journey as we gush as I gush over one of my favorite factions in video gaming history. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, it was delightful to be here, man. It was it was. Can I bring something up at the very end? Sure. So the reason Rayway wanted to have me on is because I wrote a Horus Heresy uh, Halo-themed army list for all the factions. <gasps> I am... What? By the, I know the episodes take a while to get out. If anyone's interested in the Discord, I will be fully finished with the Rights of Wars and Warlord Traits by the end of that. Get to work on that, and when we release this episode, we will... Yeah, we'll we'll let you know when you can when you can post all that because like we record on a weekly basis, but we don't release but every other week. So it's it's going to be a few weeks before this gets released. Yeah. Although, of course, we plan to make it a uh, a weekly thing when you reach a, when you reach uh, uh, high enough tier on Patreon. And speaking of Patreon, let's thank our following patrons: the wonderful noble Slappy. The Honorable Knight Sir Flub de Montfort and the Honorable Knight Astronautical. Thank you guys very much for your patronage and thank you to all the other patrons and all the members of our Discord for making this wonderful community possible. It's just wow. <laughs> this is just Woo! awesome. Oh yeah, no, it's it's really fun. And I'm finally getting active in the Discord like I've wanted to for quite some time. And it's just it's just such a great community. Sometimes you just need the right push. Oh, for sure. I've also been busy, you know what I mean? But I'm so glad I could finally have some time to get active on her. The memes are the best part. The memes and the arguments are the best part. Ah, so many memes. Absolutely. Um, You mind if I ask our little guest something? Go ahead. Okay, so for Shark and uh, Brody. So I know, Brody, you picked Empire for our Discord, right? For our Discord flare? Yeah. Yeah, is there a particular yes, reason you chose Empire? The Empire of Man? Yeah. Um I gotta be honest. I'm when it comes to like my loyalties of who I ultimately choose, at the end of the day, I'm kind of basic. I choose my own people. Can <laughs> <laughs> respect that? And I'm just I'm straight I'm loyal like that. That's fair. That makes sense. <laughs> so Hail Sigmar, baby. That's me. Good man, good man. I too like big hammers. How <laughs> about you, Shark? I don't think you got hammers one. Oh uh, yeah, I tried to pick one, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. But uh, I would have picked uh, Lizardman. Huh. that's okay. Uh, I can do that manually. Uh, yes, the Lizardmen are bad. They I'm like are... that guy that looks the Xenos from afar, and I'm like, oh, those are cool, but you, <laughs> but cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm that guy who starts out with the humans and then. It's like, you know, some of your factions are kind of cool. <laughs> you know, I think I hate humans. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like playing the humans is a little boring. One one thing I got to say, though, is that like 
I'm the, like the perfect GW victim because every single model range, I'm like, yeah, one of each. You know, just oh. give it to me. Don't even get me started. I'm in every game system, and once Old World comes out, I'm fucking, I'm back in. Don't even. Yeah. Yeah, I just I love them all. You know what I mean? Like I I choose humans as my base. You know what I mean? Like lore wise, but looks and everything, all of them. So mm-hmm. I, I love that Mesoamerican, like Aztec Mayan inspiration for the lizard men. That's oh, oh yeah, one thousand percent. Definitely I my love favorites. That stuff. It's the beautiful. lasers also help. The lasers, uh, the dinosaur, <laughs> the dinosaurs help too. To be honest, dinosaurs fucking laser beams on their heads. What? Yeah. It's just it's just glorious to have a T-Rex charge into your enemy's lines and eat them. Giant freaking laser beams. <laughs> I want I want triceratops with laser beams on their forehead. Is that is that how the dinosaur look at my laser beams, dude? Like it just charges it afford. He's in a fucking meme where it's just like, oh look, look, Triceratops. There's a shooting star. Make a wish. I wish I was fucking dead. Oh, don't make that joke. That's not that funny. Here's Ceratops. Is that is that star getting closer? <laughs> is the moon getting closer or is it just me? <laughs> is it just me or is it getting warmer, guys? That's really weird. <laughs> It'd be nice to at least know it's getting warmer. Well, dear listeners, if you like hearing us nerds gush over all this kind of stuff, just uh, click the link in our description to our Patreon page. Donate a buck or more if depending on how generous you're feeling. And you too can join in on the discussion in the Discord and just overall nerding out. So you can have fun in our community that we're building every single day. (laughs) Oh yeah, there's always somebody to nerd out with in there. I see that you're also posting a lot of art and minis and stuff. Indeed, indeed. Always always willing to see some of the minis. (laughs) Well, Ray, I got one question for you before we wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, how do I get my body back? Um, well, while you've been talking and we've been steadily drifting away from this halo ring, I noticed a portal starting to open at the uh, far end of the solar system. It doesn't look like a slipspace portal. It looks pretty uh, purple and uh, full of just horrors. So um, I decided to go full thrall in. That cool? Uh, sounds good with me. As long as I get my body back and back to the tavern where all my tankards of ale are. I miss my ale. <laughs> I'm thirsty. <laughs> thirsty dwarf. Very thirsty dwarf. But that will conclude our episode for this week. I hope everyone had fun. Oh, yeah. I certainly did. Thanks again to our wonderful guests for joining us on a very long episode. But this is great. Always down to do this again. And be sure to comment if you like my narration and take over of this episode. And if so, the, if this tracks, I will be happy to take over again someday. In the future. Of course. Of course. Um, hang on, I have a question. I have an answer. Um, you're the guy in charge of Halo. Uh, do Halo ships have Geller fields? They do not. Unlike 40k, where you're basically traveling through hell, uh, slip space is just a dimension that compresses everything around you. You do not have to worry about any kind of negative effects other than if your slip space drive goes haywire, you're just lost. Um, there's like nothing there's like nothing to say what exactly happens to you other than you're just lost in slip space Hmm. rip so So it wouldn't be safe then to continue to drive the ship directly into the warp 
Um, oh shit, no, turn around, turn around, turn around!